What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 40 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together, get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my ever-present co-host and trash monster, Mr. Andy Brown. A trash monster? Am I Oscar the Grouch now? You are. Yes! You've always been Oscar the Grouch. Uh, the edgelord with the heart of gold. No, no, shut up. <laughs> the edgelord with the heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey, you can see me now. <laughs> yeah, look, we got we got your webcam back, so I can actually see your pretty vampiric face. I, for a long time, I thought you looked like John Cena, Thompson. <laughs> hey, well, and his name is Robert Thompson. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> We've also got with us the esports dynamo, Miss Peggy Ford. Hello. And rounding out the five sum today is my pal Ed of the party. What nerds. up, people? Hey. What's going on? It's good to be on the show today. Oh, it's great, man. I can't believe I'm here today. Do you play WoW? I do not play WoW. I do not. I put it like this. I sink enough time into other stupid things. I can't sink enough time into that. So believe me, I've sink enough time into other things. Okay. So, yeah, unfortunately, we'll be missing uh, the World of Warcraft commentary today. As I'm sure you could guess, Sean is not with us this week. He is in uh, Philadelphia with Phil of the Comics Pals watching NXT TakeOver, which we will have uh, a pretty cool review coming sometime this week. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Might already be up by this point. I think we're trying to get it out on Monday. Um, So wrestling fans, make sure you go tune into that. Sean will be back next week. But, uh, Ed, it's, it's awesome to finally get you on the show. We've been trying to have you on since, I think, last E3 when mm-hmm. I uh, came over and, and did an episode of your show. Yeah, you were on. Um, yeah, I remember you were on. You came on with myself, AJ, and the rest of the crew, and we did the E3 recap. Um, and we've been trying to partner up and get something done ever since. Um, and this is the first chance we'll be able to do that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad it finally came together. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who don't know, just give a, give a real quick elevator pitch of the Party Nerds. What are you guys all about? Where can they find the show? When sure. Post, uh, so the Party Nerds, we do it every Tuesday at 645 on uh, Wildfire Radio um, and also on iTunes right afterwards. We talk about pretty much everything nerdy, anything you can think of, whether it be comic books, video games, movies, music. We've done pretty much the gamut of everything. We've talked about specifically the Luke Cage and its impact on hip-hop to Image Comics and the, the brand that Image Comics has been and how much it's influenced art styles today. So we kind of run the gamut on everything. We just did um, a podcast uh, that was all gaming-related about 2018's uh, preview, so we have that going um, as well. So we have a lot of different things on the docket uh, for this year and also a full-fledged recap of all the stuff we've done over the last couple of years. Awesome. So that's a great place to jump on. Um, real quick, where can they find the show? Sure. Um, so it's on wildfireradio.com and on iTunes. Cool. All right. So go check it out. Uh, check out the Party Nerds. Check out the episode that I was in if you want to hear our reacts to last year's E3. Um, but uh, I think I'm going to be making an appearance on the show again pretty soon. So uh, keep your ears peeled for that one. And if you want to check out the Video Game Pals reacts to last year's E3, you can do that too. We have like four whole episodes up about it. Nice. We certainly do. <laughs> uh, so we're going to kick the show off the way we sometimes do by talking about what we're playing this week. Uh, since Ed is our guest, I want to give him the opportunity to talk first. I know you are knee deep in Dragon Ball Fighters. I am so... knee deep and fist fist of flying deep into Dragon Ball <laughs> Fighters. It is nuts. Uh, I hopped into Dragon Ball Fighters. I saw all the preview videos. I knew it was going to be a raucous time. I knew it was going to be like a Marvel versus Capcom type game because they did the three versus three fighting aspect, but I did not expect 
how fast-paced it was going to be. Like, literally, there are just projectiles, streams, just action going on all over the place. And every single character, there's 24 different characters, every single character feels like you, they don't feel imbalanced, if you will. Like, every character feels fun, which is what I love about uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. You can play as anybody, whether you it's like Super Saiyan God Goku, or even somebody that you feel is lower tier, like Yamcha or Tien. <laughs> everybody is on equal playing field, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think the um, something that I was kind of concerned about was... Like the the move sets definitely feel like they're more geared towards um, casual players, like to be able to like pick up and play, and like that can definitely affect a fighting game when you're talking about like longevity and like if is the skill ceiling high enough. And from the you know few hours I was able to spend with it uh, last night, as well as just hearing some opinions from those in the fighting community, it seems like there's a pretty high uh, skill ceiling once you get into the you know, like, higher levels of play. So the fact that it's easy to pick up but difficult to master is exactly where you want it to be. Exactly. And, like, that's the one thing I like about it is that every character has relatively the same moveset uh, for the most part. Like, you have the basic controls and you have, like, the basic ways to do your super moves and kind of learn the instant transmissions, fireballs, things like that. But just definitely learning the combo aspects of it, then it gets a lot harder. And that's where you kind of see the upper echelon of players coming in and learning it. So, and, like, figuring out, like, which, I'm sorry, uh, just this last point, just, like, figuring out which characters, like, have good synergy together. Yes. Because, like, that was something I realized where I liked playing as certain characters, but, like, their moves didn't line up well. So mm-hmm. I would, like, put them in a combo and then try to chain into another special and it would just be, like, the angle is wrong or they, you know, like, they break the combo because of the way that their special starts and, like, figuring out which three characters you're good with that actually work together exactly to be a pretty big part of the game as well definitely so you said it was really fast like how fast are we talking here like regular mvc3 or like you can't really see them with your eyes and have to pay more attention to their key as they bounce back and forth um <laughs> i mean i wouldn't say mvc3 i mean it almost feels like i'm back to how I felt when I first played MVC2, almost. It kind of feels like that kind of hype. Like, MVC3 had its good moments and here and there, but something about that 3v3 aspect, it was kind of a little off, because I know you had, like, the launchers and the team attack combos and everything, but something about MVC2, that raw, like, fighting-style gameplay was awesome. And with the assist and the hyper combos and everything else, that's what Dragon Ball Fighters feels like. Now, you can't launch, like, team attack combos or anything else like that, but just that fast-paced action, um, launching assists and then launching your supers, that's what it feels like. Awesome. It, it also feels a lot less, like, uh, spastic than I yeah. feel like 3 felt. Like, 3 was so, like, flashing lights and all these numbers and just, like, and, it was so, like, sensory mm-hmm. overload. And, like, exactly. Deadpool takes his health bar down and beats you with it. Right. And, like, I feel like this game, like, comes right up against that aesthetic okay like there are times where it's very like holy shit what's happening right now but i feel like once i had been playing the game for like an hour i kind of learned like where to look and like the specials in general just feel a lot less intrusive like they feel like they're a part of the fight and the art style not we're having a normal fight and then just fucking flashes of colors you know okay right exactly Um, I just have one more question, and that's Yajirobe DLC when? I don't know. <laughs> that I would like to see. I mean, they haven't really gotten into the DLC plans. There's, like, 
eight characters coming soon. I know there was rumors of like Broly, of course, and all kinds of different like rumors and everything else. So I don't know what they're gonna do next. I'm I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna make this argument on behalf of I think just me. <laughs> Not on behalf of the show, right? I'm gonna say that Yajirobe is a more crucial character to the Dragon Ball mythos than Broly. And uh, more important uh, in the fighting like, games. He destroyed an entire galaxy, so Yeah, yeah but, actually, but Yajirobe yeah, cut off Vegeta's tail and contributed to the plot in meaningful ways. Yeah, Yajirobe's a Listen, Z fighter, man. You gotta have all the Z uh, fighters. This game has Android 21, that's all we needed. Yajirobe can't fly, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I would definitely like to see Yajirobe and Master Roshi. Those are those are probably my two number one picks Yo. of characters I, I, I want to see. We're talking about fun. villains. Let me get Janemba. Let me get some fucking Janemba action up in here. I got a poster uh, behind me of him. <laughs> we he's t- a bad motherfucker. We talking villains? Give me the whole goddamn Ginyu Force. Well, you Dude, mean you Captain, Captain Ginyu's Ginyu. whole set is just summoning the Ginyu Force. Wait, yeah. is it really? <laughs> it is. Yeah. That's awesome. like his, That's pretty uh, good, but I really just want Raccoon. Dude, it's so good though because his special is he does the body swap. So I, I was I was playing last night with a friend of the show, Jared, and uh, he he pulls off the body swap on my last character, so he becomes Cell and I become Ginyu. But you can't use any of Ginyu's Ginyu Force moves when he does the body swap. <laughs> so it's literally my last character. I'm using the X Factor and I have no powers at all. It sucks. Like I can't even it use key blasts. Wow. It's, like, so hard to pull off, but if you do, it's, like, the ultimate fuck you to the person you're playing. Shame you. He did it, and he literally was just like, I'm sorry. I wanted to see if I could pull it off. Is there, like, is there a counter that is, like, a secret combo where you can just throw a frog in the way and then you win? (laughs) That would be amazing. That would be cool. Any character can see Ginyu starting to pull off this combo and input the same combo faster, and they throw a frog. (laughs) <laughs> and then step on Ginyu Selwins. That's the DLC we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we need to see, guys. Uh, so, Arc Systems, if you're listening, please give us frog powers in the next update. <laughs> Yajirobe, frog powers. Janemba. Janemba. That's that's my wish list. <laughs> I, uh, I want to yeah, see man. some Mr. Satan up in there. Oh, that would be fucking awesome. That that's, would be that's cool. A real, that's a real talk pick. Can you can um, you imagine just like the salt that would go through a friend of the show, Anthony Spaz Curran, if he was like three different absurd tier Super Saiyan Gokus and got bodied by like Yajirobe, Mister Satan, and Yamcha? <laughs> <laughs> fucking C tier. Oh, I'll do it to him. Yo, give me the game. I'd love to see him throw a controller again. That'd be great. Honestly, <laughs> Yamcha's really good. Like. Uh, I was getting whooped on by Yamcha yesterday. I was like, "This is fucking embarrassing." Can we can we put a, a video up of the Arby's Yamcha ad yesterday on Facebook? Because that was <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Yeah, leave an impact. <laughs> oh, I did see that. That was so cool. So funny. Yeah, whoever whoever does those deserves all of the raises. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I had one other game I wanted to talk about this week, uh, another brand new game that came out, um, which it's a little, uh, indie platformer you may have heard of called Celeste. Ooh. Uh, I think we talked about it in, uh, the Nintendo Direct episode, but, um, this game went from being a game I was really excited to pick up just cause, you know, ev- anyone who know- watches the show or listens to me knows that I love platformers. I love that kind of classic pixel aesthetic, uh, with chip two and all that kind of stuff. 
But um, just generally, this game looked really tight, and I was interested in it. But uh, I had to pick it up on day one when I saw the reviews start coming out, and it got a 10, perfect 10 from both Enganet and IGN. The lowest I think I saw for it was like an 8.5 over at Polygon. Um, Donkey gave this it a game 4 is, out of 5. Yeah, 4 out of 5 um, from Donkey. This game is phenomenal. It is so fucking good. Uh, I picked it up last night. I, I planned on playing it for just a little bit so I could give some early impressions on it this week since it's brand new. And I ended up staying up until 4 in the morning getting through the first two worlds because I was just fucking hooked. Good goddamn with Doug Stamper. Dude, it aesthetically is is beautiful. The music is great. Um, and just the way that it uses its mechanics is so clever. Like, it's very simple, you know, you have the ability to jump, uh, climb, but you have, like, a stamina kind of, like, bar, like, it's not, like, um, a bar like Breath of the Wild, it's, like, your character basically, like, starts sweating, and, like, the more pixels you have around, I guess, you know. The more pixels um, of sweat? Basically. That sounds kind of gross, not gonna lie. Well, it's 8-bit, so you, you know, it's it's pretty simple, but, you know, like, you can kind of start to tell that she's losing her grip. And you have to, you know, land or fall. And um, you also have a dash. And then there's, like, these little green diamonds that you'll encounter that when you hit them, you'll get a second dash. And the, right. that's it. Like, that's that's the mechanical setup. And then each level has a different gimmick. Like, the first level is there's these, like, stoplight things on um, kind of like a Mega Man track. And when you land on them, they, they fling you. So, yeah. like, if you're on it and you jump, you get flung by the momentum and then you can use that to like kind of wall jump and, and move around um and like that ends up being how you kind of solve the puzzles that they set up for you you know and every world introduces a new mechanic and i don't want to like spoil any more of them i'd like you to go check it out for yourself but um it's just so so smart and so good at really nailing that you know kind of like what i call like the mario effect of like the game itself is so fundamentally tight and fun to play that, like, you don't get frustrated by trying to figure out these new mechanics because you're so confident in what you're doing that all you need to do is sit and think for a second and, like, do that little bit of, like, kind of platformer math where you see your path and then you figure out how to get to your path, you know? I do like and, that. Uh, I just, I can't get enough of it. I can't wait to play more of it. I imagine I'll have finished it two times over by next week because this nice. game is fucking fire. So if you're a platform fan, if you're a fan of, uh, you know, that pixel chip aesthetic like I am, like, do not sleep on Celeste. It's on every platform already. It was on Switch, PS4, and, and Steam day one. It made it to Xbox One, like, I think two days later. So uh, definitely go give this game a shot. Cool. Um, I got one I want to talk about, too. Uh, go for it. The Sea of Thieves closed beta started this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was all over Twitch this week. I've been play I've been playing the uh, the technical alpha sessions every once in a while on Xbox since, like, fucking November. But since it's Play Anywhere, I played it on PC for the first time, and, like, whoo, baby. Max that stuff out. Gets up to great settings. Also, the game will run on a potato, because that, mm -hmm. that is their explicit goal, is we really want a potato to be able to play Sea of Thieves. <laughs> Thompson, I will go buy a potato you, right now and do it. I, <laughs> I know that you've expressed um, concerns that you can't be sipping tea during a battle. Yes. However, however, you can if there's not really much to do yet because you're not on a cannon and you haven't 
reach the other ship, pull out your accordion and start playing Fight of the Valkyries while you fight another pirate Sorry. ship. Sorry. That was a little too hard. I'm so excited. You just made my day. I've been, I, 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 oh my god. I want that so much. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I saw from streams uh, was that there are like multiple instruments in the game. Yeah. And like one of the things you can do is jam yeah, with like dude, other players. When I play yeah. all those uh, you know, games like you know Mountain Blade or like Holdfast and stuff, I love playing the Pfeiffer or the drummer and like standing in the gun line just like drumming my ass away, you know, while people are blowing <laughs> up and shit. It's just like my favorite thing to do. Like play the violin on the boat and just. Watch as everything goes down. I'm just playing away, dude. Yeah, it's oh, like your captain you my has day. explicitly said, like, okay, you're on the boarding team. When we get close enough, you go kill the other pirates. Right now, you play the goddamn accordion for me. Yeah, <laughs> and if you, t- if you stop playing the instruments, you probably get executed. I mean, usually that's how it works in the other games. I mean, yeah, yeah. that is, God like, help you. that's, what is it? It's mutiny if you stop playing the instruments. Yeah. <laughs> you play yeah. or you die. Yep. Yeah, uh, man, I am... Or you die I'm, anyway. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Or, both. or you die in the Why fight, so... <laughs> I'm extremely excited for this game, man. Like, I've been interested in Sea of Thieves since they announced it. Um, I love the aesthetic of it. I love pirates. I've always wanted there to be, a, like, a pirate game that was exactly this. Um, I had my doubts about how it was going to perform, but in light of some of the news we'll talk about later today uh, with Xbox Game Pass and... Um, you know, just the overall air of positivity around it now that people are streaming the open beta is like, I really think this game might end up being something, and that's exciting. Um, it mis- it has exactly one thing missing from it that I'd like. Uh-oh. Um, and it's a choice that Rare made where they said they don't want any of the ships to be NPCs, but I would really like an NPC Navy. Yeah, I also, I, um, on, uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily, I was listening to this week, uh, Andrea Renee, who's one of my favorite pundits, was saying that she really hopes they implement a PvE server, or, like, the ability to, um, opt out of PvP, because she said it's, like, extremely frustrating, because, like, you'll go on an entire, like, mission, you'll get your loot, you come back to an area to sell it, and people can literally kill you, like, in the shop area and steal your shit. And, like, that seems like a really... Like brutal. Not that's not a player friendly move. Like I understand the desire for them to want to. Like she said that um, on Twitter, she talked to one of the um, community managers, and they said that their goal is to like kind of keep that tension up, so that you're kind of always looking over your shoulder, and like you know, it is a world of cutthroat pirates. But like that seems frustrating to not have like any safe zones or not have the ability to like if I just want to sail and explore the world and fight skeletons and NPCs that like. better players can just come around and like wreck face all the time like i could see that being really frustrating and i hope that they listen to that feedback so then it's kind of sea of thieves kind of feels like the rust of the water if that makes sense where yeah yeah it's it's extremely brutal and if you don't have um and if you're not putting up the right defenses or you know if you just suck, then you are, like, basically SOL pretty much the entire time. It's, like, a very steep learning curve because you'll just constantly get killed when you're not supposed to. I'm not bitter about Rust at all, but, like, it's... Oh, I'm not. I only spent the uh, 100 hours naked uh, running around with a rock. (laughs) Yeah, right? And then people are just like, I'm gonna kill you anyway, and you're like, I just have a rock, and they're like, I don't care. Yeah, they're like, I'm like, I literally have nothing. And they're like, I don't care. <laughs> hey, that's easier than that, please. Yeah. That everyone um, starts at an even playing field. Yeah, I'm just I'm just worried that that level of like 
harshness is going to feed into what I already see as being a major problem for the game, which is that it seems like a really great game if you have a dedicated squad that wants to play every day or every Mm -hmm. week or whatever it is. But if you don't have that, it seems like it's going to be really hard for you to, like, have the proper experience with the game if you don't have a dedicated crew or like a pirates guild or whatever it is of people that you know that you can talk to and like adventure with that like anytime you run into an npc that you're trying to or not an npc uh, a player character that you're like oh hey like let's try and work together that they can just stab you and take all your shit is like it's like eve online I don't, <laughs> yeah i don't yeah. i don't know if i think that's gonna turn people off i i think that we can combine the two suggestions here and they don't have to turn it off per se, but if you put some kind of like law enforcement body in the Sea of Thieves, where every time you like kill someone on dry land, like you get a bounty on your head, that's that like what he cool does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, yeah. something like that could definitely work. I think there, there needs to be an incentive. Yeah, that like it's not a thing that happens to you every time you try to turn in loot yeah. and buy new gear. And like I understand the desire to keep that tension up because like having that tension lets you like build your legend as it were if you're really good at the game and you can be like the dread pirate roberts who rules this sector with an iron fist absolutely and yeah, like I... that's something i i wouldn't want to take away from sea of thieves but i do want to have more fun I think what you're saying would make sense, and I think, again, just giving people the option for a PvE server. Like, don't maybe not make it a toggle thing. Just be like, hey, you can go to a server where there is no PvP or there's only PvP, like, on the open sea or in certain areas. Like, that seems like an easy enough thing for them to implement at a later date in the same way that you know, uh, PUBG responded to the desire for hardcore servers, right? Like, not everybody wants to play this way, but if, if enough people do, just give them the option. Yeah. Right. And in terms of not having a group, solo piracy is a lot of fun. It gives you that, like, Jack Sparrow at the beginning of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie vibe, where he's, like, sailing into port as the ship sinks. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, either way, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this in a way that I don't, I don't know that I was before. Yeah, and it's, I, a, it's I, a lot of fun. I can't wait to play it with you. Yeah, it's definitely a game I want to play together, and, like, we've been talking a lot, a long time about wanting to get uh, some, some Twitch streams going, and I kind of think this is the game to start with. So, um, Only if we get I... Sean in. Dude, if we he can twist Sean's it. arm, I, I want him to be our captain so bad. Motherfucking I want to be the captain, captain Sean Bartley. I, I have an absolute love of uh, Age of Sail ships and, and stuff, so, like, let me be the captain, please. <laughs> I'm going to throw my name in the captain's hat also just because I have experience captaining a small boat (laughs) in Uh, this game. I'm the only one. I want to play the accordion. Sailed a real ship. So, Peggy, you can you can absolutely play. The if I yeah, see, yes. if I can't play captain, then I gotta do the accordion. But Thompson. she's already claimed it, so now I gotta be the captain. No, no, Thompson, <laughs> I'm putting you on hurdy gurdy slash cannons. Uh, <laughs> I'll make you walk the plank one day, Andy. <laughs> I'm gonna do it day one. What are you kidding? Me? <laughs> Listen, this game literally makes me five minutes in. I just want to live my dream of swabbing a deck. That's all I want to do. <laughs> That's, all I want. That's all I want to do is just swab a deck. Is there a Let's medical officer? A deck, drink some grog, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Can I be a Dr. Barber? No, sadly. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. You I mean, can eat scissors. bananas. Well, that's fine. P-A-N-A-S. Without taking off the peel, which is my favorite part. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> uh, pirates, apparently. That's how you prevent scurvy. Are there limes? <laughs> no. 
Are there the lemons then? Are they getting they're it better? Right? No, it's, it's better be lemons, just bananas. Lo- limes don't work. Bananas are the. F- I know they don't, but the British didn't figure that out for like two hundred years, so you know. <laughs> That's my favorite historical fact. For those of you who don't know, the British discovered, forgot, and rediscovered the cure for scurvy. Yeah, because Smart. they they basically like captured an island that had a bunch of limes, and they're like, "That's the same as lemons, right?" And then they just <laughs> forgot. That that's how you cure scurvy because they're like, oh, apparently it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, lemons or you know the, the vitamin C content just out of this world. So, good Smart. work, ancestors. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Pirate Pals, the only podcast. <laughs> Sean's not on. This is the only week we could do it. Sean's not here, so I had to get all my pirate talk in while we have Ed sitting in. Arg. <laughs> Arg. There we go. All right, so if you guys want to let us know what you're playing this week, you can write it in the show and hear your thoughts right on the air. Give us a random question of the week or just say hey by give, uh, by dropping us a line over at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. You can also follow our sister show at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold to keep up with all the stuff we've got going on here at the Pals Network. We've got a really, really hype 2018 plan for you guys, uh, so definitely you know keep, keep your eyes peeled to those places for all the cool stuff we've got going on so you're a part of it. Uh, if you're an audio listener, we would really appreciate it if you guys could drop us a like on your platform of choice. Or if you really want to help us out, you can bounce over to Apple Podcasts. And uh, we're, we're, yeah, that's what they call iTunes now Apple Podcasts. No. Rolls right off the tongue. Um, so <laughs> I we're, you were, we're currently a. Uh, yeah, I thought he was no, trolling. I, I thought he was too. Confused. That, is, that is a real thing that happened this week, guys. They changed it up. Um, so Beautiful. we're currently a five-star rated podcast over there. It really helps us out uh, if you go and give us a rating, whatever it is, um, to help the show get you know uh, some some new new listeners, new eyes. Uh, if you're over on YouTube, you can do us a solid by liking the video, subscribing to the channel if you haven't already, and uh, just checking out some of the YouTube exclusive stuff we've got going on over there. Um, lots of cool stuff coming, and uh, we should have some new announcements um, as early as next week. So definitely go subscribe. We're real close to hitting uh, the landmark of 100 subs. Uh, even if you're an audio listener, just jump over, give us a sub. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and then, as always, the best thing you can do to help out the show is uh, to share it with your pals so they can become our pals too. Uh, so with that, we're going to um, you know jump into a, a little rotating segment I like to call The Random Question of the Week! I'm sick and losing my voice. Sorry for that one. <laughs> <Whew>. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> So, with Celeste uh, this week, I've got platformers on the brain. I know Ed is a fan of platformers. So, I wanted to ask you all this week, what is your favorite platformer of all time? That's tough because I, I every console I have has a, like a platformer that speaks to that generation. Like Absolutely. Sega, Sega Genesis, I had Sonic 2. Um, PS1, I had Crash 3 specifically because I didn't play the other two i played three first oh so really? i yeah it's interesting i played uh, what was some of the other ones i played sly cooper jack and daxter yeah. uh oh my god there's so many to choose from now that like now that i'm kind of recapping them there's so many to choose from but i have to stay true because i have to go with the first game i've ever played which is going to be sonic 2 that's the one All that right. i'm going to stick with if it wasn't for sonic 2 that i probably would have said mania because Mania, like, I played Mania back in August when it first came out. And I was just like, oh, yeah. wow. Like, everything about this is just rushing back to me from when I was a kid. And then just seeing all the modern changes they put into a classic, like, retro-style game was amazing. Um, the new levels and the classic levels, they were both great. So if I had to pick, I would say either, ma- like, for current generation, Mania. If I'm going by my childhood, I would say Sonic 2. I like 
what you're putting down. I'm picking it up. I'm going to get in on the Sega Genesis train. Um, I'm in a group text with Pete and Thompson where we had a lengthy discussion about how my favorite platformer of all time is Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Ooh, good one. Solid picks. Solid I, picks. I love it. Anyone who I backs think, up Andy. I think the... <laughs> I don't don't blame Ed because Andy's uh, jumping on his train. Right? I, yeah, yeah, it is Andy's fault. I think yeah, that not Sonic my fault. Three is the coolest cartridge that has ever been made, just because you can slap the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge into the top of it, and then you get a third game out of your two games. Fucking DLC, man. <laughs> Should have been on the original cart. It literally so- didn't fit. <laughs> So, so Pete, Pete's on this like all this time we've been blaming EA. It's all Sega's fault. <laughs> they started, they started. Damn it. <laughs> um, that's that's my old school pick. But because we're apparently doing new school picks too, um, I gotta go Mario Galaxy two. Um, mm, fucking classic. Like Mario Galaxy is a classic, and Mario two is head and shoulders better than it. Or Mario Mario Galaxy Mario 2. Galaxy two. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, I feel like everybody like kind of forgets that game. Like they lump yeah. them together, and it's like Mario Galaxy was the best, and it's like Mario Galaxy Two was like, the best. Like Get, Mario like, Galaxy Two makes Mario Galaxy look like a mid two thousand Sonic game in comparison. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of really hard, but I'll take yeah. your word on it. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah, go right. that far, but yeah, no, it it executes on everything the first did better. Like, period. This is the analogy I'll go with for the the bumper. Mario Galaxy 2 is to Mario Galaxy as Mario Galaxy is to Sonic 2006. That seems still way better. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that makes like, I think that brings both franchises down in comparison. It's like <laughs> you sully both like, names. Yeah, like I feel like Mario Galaxy 2 is to Mario Galaxy as, like, Empire is to whatever your second favorite Star Wars movie is. Like, <laughs> they're both great, but one's, like, undisputedly yeah. masterpiece. You know, like, it's the best. They're both masterpieces, but 2 is just better. Okay, that's fair. That's that's where I'm landing on it. I, I, I gotta spit you know. hot fire, that's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> gotta come out with the controversial takes. The hot fire almost burned down the show, though. <laughs> If I don't almost burn down the show, I'm not doing my job, Ed. Fair. Good point, good point, good point. <laughs> That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> so what about you, Peg? Uh, Probably Sly Cooper. Because Sly Cooper in the Thievius Raccoonus was my first, uh, was like the first game I ever played. Because like my grandma, really? yeah, my grandma picked it up randomly because we got a PS2 for my dad. He never played it, so I, I took it. But uh, we... Like, my grandma was just like, oh, this looks cool. And I was like, sure. And then from there, I got into Sly and the Thievius Raccoonus, two Sly 2, two Sly 3, and unfortunately Sly 4. But very, very, like, great game. You didn't game. like Sly 4? It, it was interesting. I wow. don't like I don't like the plot twist. I think that was such a cop-out. And the actual, like, mechanics were a lot different than what... Uh, Sucker Punch did, and I, 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 it's a good game, don't get me wrong, but I think Sly 3 is probably my favorite. Um, That's legit. 
Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, that's like probably one of the only times in the history of video games that a grandmother accidentally bought something based on the cover and it was a good game. Yeah, right? <laughs> she, I bet it was just like, oh, this looks like cartoons. I bet it's fine. And I was like, I don't care. I'm like eight. But <laughs> and Dude, when, uh, when when we were in college, I remember I used to hang out at the GameStop near Rowan University where Peggy and I both went. Yeah. And I would literally like flat like when, between classes, I'd like go there and look at games and I would like flag down old people that I saw picking out trash games and be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like I literally one time got a grandmother to put back a frozen game and buy Pokemon. And I was like, I did I did my good deed for, yeah. the, for the year. Yo, was it You're frozen like, or Olaf's adventure? Needed. The, it was the highest selling <laughs> video game of 2013. Yep, I was like, please don't buy this. Please don't, instead we, buy. We can't Pokemon talk about X. that. I still work <laughs> in a movie theater. That was just such a shit show. Oh my god. <laughs> like, listen, Frozen's a good movie. Yeah, but people were complaining to me saying, "Can you get the Olaf adventure out of the movie?" It's like I didn't make the movie. What are you asking me for? <laughs> These guys, let it go. Yeah. All right. So Teddy, sorry, shut Teddy. the I, fuck up. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean to derail you. I just. I had to. I had to share that grandma. Oh no, uh, that's anecdote. fair. That's more than fair. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to like a modern day platformer, the first one that comes up is I Want to Be the Boshi, which is a brutal, brutal game. Um, it's mostly seen as a speed run on AGDQ or SGDQ, one of those. Um, but it's basically like the entire game is just saying "fuck you," try to get through this. And it's one of the most brutal platformers I've ever seen. Oh, but I know it's what you're talking so about. Good. Yeah. It's like I want to be the one or something. Yeah, it's I like be, I want to oh, be I the guy. I think it's called I want to be the guy. I yeah. want to be yeah, the, the guy, guy or the, the game. So yeah, brutal. except yeah, it was modded it. to make it even harder. And yeah, I'll have to check that out. I've never heard of that. Yeah, and it's, it's so good. There's a there's a really good speed run of it. I forget who does it, unfortunately, but like amazing speed run. It's just like I tried to play it once. I was just like, nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm, Can't absolutely do it. not. No. no. So, you know, I guess for this, like that, my favorite platformer in like modern age is one that I like to watch because I just I feel like platformers lend themselves to speedruns so well because oh, yeah. it's such like a technical game uh, when yeah. you're playing at that high a level and going that super fast. So, yeah, absolutely. Honest, honestly, uh, the the one game I really want to try to get into speedrunning is uh, the original Super Mario Brothers because like yeah. I won hundred percent in the game the last time I played it in three hours, but like that was without skipping anything. That's not bad. Because I wanted to actually play every level. So yeah. like I think if I actually like did all the pipe jumps like that you can do right away to like skip to the end, I could yeah. probably beat that game in like ten minutes. See, if I w- had to speedrun a platformer, it would have been Sly One because there are so many tricks to it, and there are just so many like the game is just so good. And I would not Fucking mind. Fucking Sucker Punch, man. Yeah, Sucker Punch. So good. What up? Love them Sony first parties. <laughs> Wait, Pete. So, uh, do you like Sony first parties? <laughs> How dare you? I have the holy symbols tattooed on my Got fucking him. arm. I love PlayStation. <laughs> uh, I'm a big old Sony pony. Is, is that so the official expression? Because that's kind that's of what, gross. yeah. That's what that's what douchebags call Sony fans on the internet. So. That should be a future T-shirt. I'm a Sony pony. You're an X-Bot. Um, I don't know what they call Nintendo fans. Nintendo probably losers. They just call them children. <laughs> I think. Yeah, that's true. I I believe the, the phrase since the Xbox One came out is X-Boner. Oh. oh <laughs> All yeah. right, moving on. Yep. Yeah, right, Thompson. What about you? Uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Ooh. hands down. Oh yeah. Uh, I knew that one was coming. There's nothing else I, I need to say about that game. It's a fucking masterpiece. It's been on just so many levels. It's great. It's great every time you play it on any system. So play it if you haven't played it. 
Um, it's, it's 10 out of 10, man. Best game I think I've ever played, even from like childhood still. And if you have played it, play it again. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that's like that's how good it is. Every time you play it, it just gets better. Expect um, uh, expect a stream of that one coming sooner or later. I think Thompson and I are definitely gonna have to do some pals plays of that nonsense. Awesome. <laughs> we literally shot like five episodes of it back when we used to do our old YouTube channel, and like they all got lost yeah. to the sands of time. Yeah. So, uh, I would love to revisit that game. Wait, they got That'd lost to Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time. They did. Uh, so for me, um, I, I'm going to give my first answer, which is my all-time favorite platformer. And then since we're doing the modern honorable mentions, that's a fun one. But uh, so for me, my, my all-time favorite is, uh, is Super Mario World. I think Super Mario World is one of the few truly perfect games. Um, like that game, it's, it's, I'm biased because it's like the first game I ever played. So I obviously have nostalgia for it. But it's a game that like... I've beaten so many fucking times, and uh, in terms of, like, how a platformer feels, like, Mario is the gold standard, and I think Super Mario World is the best one of of the four, you know, classic 2D side-scrolling Mario games, I think, um, you know, I think it really comes down to opinion whether you think it's Super Mario Brothers 3 or Super Mario World, for me, um, the aesthetic of world, the music, like, just the the power-ups there there was so much you know they brought in yoshi we brought in like so many things to me that define mario for the first time as well as i think um building on and improving on a lot of the things that were successful in the previous three games so uh super mario world will always hold a very special place in my heart and uh it's you know it's a fucking masterpiece what else can i say about it um i absolutely respect everything you just said I say I come down on the other side of the fence on Mario 3 because I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but that game literally saved my life, so I am. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. the one? Yeah. I am indebted yeah. to Mario. Yeah, I think we all are. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I have to give the big ups for that one. In terms of, like, modern stuff, I got to give it to Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight Ooh, is yeah. a master class in game design. Uh, Shovel Knight is dripping with love for that era of platformers it is one of the few games that i think does a really good job of trying to honor the past like capturing the aesthetic of something else without just feeling like it's aping something you know like obviously the mega man influences are are heavy on shovel knight but there's also you know super heavy castlevania vibes there's also you know influence from a dozen other classic NES platformers um, that feed into its overall, you know, uh, I think success, right? Like, aesthetically, it's it's perfect in my mind. It handles really well. Um, it does a good job of remixing old mechanics from other games while also totally introducing new things that you just simply couldn't have done in an NES-era platformer. Uh, I fucking love Shovel Knight. It's, you know been one of you know it's it's one of my favorite modern games by such a wide margin uh and all the dlc they've done for it um you know it hasn't all spoken to me on the same level as the original but uh this stuff they have added has been substantial and uh better than a lot of the competition out there so i'm really excited for them to finally put out the king pack and be able to move on to shovel knight 2 but um (laughs) if you've never played shovel knight or if you've only played the base game go back and play some of that free content because Jesus Christ, that game is phenomenal, and it gives you more bang for your buck than I think almost any modern game that I can think of. 
So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard Shovel Knight described as Mega Man's level design, Castlevania's aesthetic, and DuckTales' mechanics. Yes, that, yeah, I was just going to bring up DuckTales, too. Yeah. Yeah, the Scrooge McDuck bounce. Yeah, is um, that's Shovel Knight. Yeah, that's and Shovel Knight. And the humor of DuckTales, I think. Yeah, I would say that there's definitely a bit of that, and but also, like, to Andy's point, very much, I would say, mixed with the kind of, like grimdark aesthetic of Castlevania to a degree, you know, like, especially on some of the levels, like, with Spectre Knight or, uh, or, um, uh, Plague Knight, you know, there's that darker, more gothic aesthetic in some of the castles and in some of the level design, things like Wall Chicken and stuff like that that are obvious nods to Castlevania or, um, or, or again, other, other games from that, that time period. Uh, yeah, that Shovel, Shovel Knight's a very special game. Yeah, I didn't give a uh, modern platformer because I've only played Shovel Knight in the last, like, ten years. But, I mean, I'm being biased. I didn't want to, like, drop that right away, but I knew you were going to say something about it. So, yeah, that's so, what I lied to. Yeah, go check out our Pals Play of it. We've got the first seven episodes of it. We took a bit of a hiatus from it, but uh, when we relaunch Pals Play sometime in February, you can definitely expect more Shovel Knight from us. So, go check out episodes one through seven or eight if you haven't yet. Uh, so, with that, I guess that means it's time for... The news, the news, we talking about the news, the news, the news, we talking about the news. All we've got a pretty stacked news list this week, I have to say. Uh, so let's just jump into it, and uh, we're going to be starting with some major talent shakeups at a couple big studios. Uh, so it seems that Google has some pretty major gaming aspirations as the company has just hired the former PlayStation and Xbox executive Phil Harrison. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Harrison worked at Sony for a whopping 15 years as the head of their network of game studios before uh, working for three years as a senior member of Microsoft's Xbox team. Uh, In recent years, he's also been an advisor and board member to companies like Gakai, which was uh, the company that Sony bought to uh, facilitate PlayStation Now, and then Atari as well. Um, so Harrison announced he's going to be joining the company as a vice president and general manager. He'll be working at the company's head headquarters in California. There's been no official announcement, uh, about the hiring from Google, um, even though he's made public statements about it, which has led analysts to believe that this is kind of an effort to keep what seems to be a high profile project for them, uh, under wraps, you know, from the general public. So, you know, there's not too much to go on here besides that, but I guess I wanted to just open up the floor to ask, you know, what do we guys, what what do we think this means? Like, is Harrison coming in to uh, launch like a more kind of serious focused games division at Google uh, for Android? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't trust Google. I think that they're Skynet by another name. (laughs) Well, for once I can agree with Andy on something. (laughs) (laughs) um but like uh, a serious games division for android would be cool i guess like i don't really play mobile games like me neither but i think it's because of the way mobile games are like i don't i don't think mobile has to be a trash platform i just think it is one yeah like i um i still occasionally jump into fire emblem heroes because that shit's fun and, like, uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, which is basically the same thing, but Star Warsy, and way more microtransaction-focused. Mm. Um, the mouse needs his cheese, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, once Google launches a nuclear weapons division, which I feel like will happen soon, like, uh, we're fucked. Like, Google, <laughs> the Google owns nuke. the world. 
I mean, they probably do a better job than the American government, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think this is interesting. I think Harrison is obviously a, a veteran of this industry and has a lot of experience establishing um, stables of, of creatives, mm-hmm. right, for, for a platform. And uh, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, I think even when you are talking about mobile, like, gaming, generally iOS is the, the dominant platform. Yep. The big games come there first. The only the good games usually come there first, sometimes only there. Uh, stuff like Monument Valley and stuff like that. Um, or even, like, ports of, like, you know, the point-and-clicky, talky games generally come to iOS pretty mm-hmm. early. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I could see this being an interesting move. Yeah. You know, obviously it's it's all rumors and speculation at this point, but uh, we'll see what happens with this one. I feel like if you, like, we didn't mention that that kind of iOS and just, like, mobile in general is a trash platform, but if anyone can turn that around, I would imagine it's someone who has 15 years' experience in one of the, the top-selling consoles and what was it, three years experience in on Xbox as well, which is perfect for, for you know, any sort of Android, anything like that, because that's that's kind of where where Google thrives in, in terms of the, the phone game. So, yeah, no, I think this makes perfect sense for them, and I think it's a very aggressive move, too, to have someone yeah. with that much experience to put on to say, hey, we're serious about this, we're going to get into this this mobile game, uh, mobile game game, I guess, and uh, really like Boo. really try to knock it out of thank you, and really try <laughs> to knock it out of a park because that's that's absolutely the type of person that you want to to really start swinging for the fences. Yeah, I don't I don't think you hire somebody like Harrison unless you have big plans. Yep, right. Like this guy's a twenty year veteran of the industry. Uh, he's worked with some of the biggest names. I'm sure he didn't come cheap. You no. know, no, definitely. Uh, not. But it's so, Google, so <laughs> define cheap. Right, yeah, like, not that that necessarily matters for them, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think they're going to hire him just to oversee Android unless they're going to make moves, right? Yeah. Like, he's not just coming in to be a lame duck. Like, I think he's got plans, and I'm, I'm interested to see what they are. Mm-hmm. And plus, his years at Sony means he's good at developing for trash. Boom! Got him! <laughs> wow. That's that's cute. That's cute, Andy. Like, like, let's talk to me. Talk to me when your platform has any games. Or exclusives, uh, for that matter. Yeah. But, uh, hey, so, wait. Long shot. What if he's there to build something like an Atari box, but for Google? You know, oh they're God. just like the, called uh, the Google box, and you can just the, buy it. And the Android box, like yeah. a Steam like machine. Jeez. Could could happen. Could happen. Hey, man. Atari box. This they they're still out there. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's thing. I don't. I don't think something like that's outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. I think you know Google's got Chromecast. I could see them making a set top box like more akin to the Roku that is uh, content oriented and has the ability to play video games. PlayStation that, has that that thing you can do. Uh, you know. Uh, the, PSTV. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see something happening like that from them. You know. I, I don't think it's impossible. I mean, to be fair, like Steam doesn't have any competition. So if they did want to go that route. That sort of like Steam Machine route, that sort of thing, that could also be in the realm of possibilities here. Hey, are you yeah. hating on Origin? Origin? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Who even uses Origin? I use it to play Mass Effect 3. Good wow. For you. <laughs> uh, nice. Good job. Said the one guy who ever did that. Yeah. Congrats, they have one fan. Hey, speaking of one fan, I want to throw this in. Battlefield Gothic has a uh, new game. 
It's coming out. Battlefield Gothic Armada 2. Remember that game that, like, ten of us play? It's getting a sequel. Why? Good for you, for buddy. The because, like, you? the ten of us love it so much, they were like, these fucking fans are getting a sequel. Literally dozens of us. <laughs> uh, so this wasn't the only major hire this week, however. Uh, there was a few others that we're going to talk about, the next of which uh, is one I think Ed'll be interested in, which is the former head of Sonic Team, Yuji Naka, announced this week that he would be joining up with Square Enix. I did read about that, so I'm kind of curious to see where he's going to go, like, in terms of, like, what kind of franchise he's going to be Square Enix, whether it be some kind of, like, platformer or some kind of RPG or anything else related to that. I just hope we don't have to make any Sonic 06 jokes during development, during this development process or during this hiring. (laughs) As long as it doesn't go that route, which I know memes are going to come soon, I'm I'm excited to see because I know Yuji Naka has done a lot in terms of his work with Sega um, up to, I believe, Sonic Adventure 2 was one of the last big projects that he worked on. Yeah, he left um, in 2008, so... Right, so he also has... Yeah. So 2008, that would also include Generations... No, not Generations, Unleashed as well, which I actually liked. So, uh, Sonic Unleashed was actually good. You hate me all you want. I like that game. <laughs> I, I like hate, that game. I just judge. <laughs> Ouch, okay. I question my own values when I find someone who legitimately likes stuff like that game. Uh, why? Like something must be wrong with me if I hate it so much. Like there's someone out there who likes it. Let me hold on. Hold on. Let's rewind. Let's let me rewind one Roll statement back. about that. Then the daytime stages are a blast. There you go. Sonic That's Unleashed. fair. Daytime stages are a blast because I did not play Sonic Unleashed uh, until after I played Generations. So I played Generations first. Okay. Then I pl- started playing some. Then I started playing Unleashed because I never really because I played Rooftop Run. In generations, then I played Unleashed. I was like, "Oh, I wonder what how this is." Played the daytime stages, amazing. The hub world was cool. It was kind of cheesy. Then the plot got kind of stupid, and then the <laughs> nighttime stages are the nighttime stages. That yeah, plot is a I think I think that's what it's I a most mess. about it. The the nighttime stages, but yeah. yeah, yeah, like you mean taking a game that's about speed and speed and making it slow and plotting wasn't a good idea. <laughs> what? Ooh, I wonder who yeah. decided on that one. Uh, but yeah, just for uh, for those who are uninitiated, uh, Naka is known for heading up Sonic Team during, uh, you know, the good years, and then also some of the not-so-good years. But, uh, you know, he was the lead programmer on the original Sonic Trilogy, he was the creative lead on some of the other, like, major Sega IP that people remember, like, uh, Fantasy Star Online and Nights Into Dreams. Uh, in 2008, like I said, he left Sega to start his own studio called Prope that found some moderate success working on uh, the recent Digimon games that were actually well-received, like uh, Digimon Adventure and... Um, and uh, Digimon think... Adventure 2 Battle. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's no word on what he'll be working on at Squeenix, but uh, he did have this to say. Uh, I aim to develop an enjoyable game. Please look forward to it. So let's... Huh. Uh, That's can't cute. Let's cross. Ready? Um, ready, ready, ready? Hang on. Wait. Okay, so Sonic 06. Got it? Yeah? yeah, but okay. The Chaos Emeralds are life energy instead of Final Fantasy VII. Boom, right Stop. there. You're welcome. Stop. You're welcome. Stop. And instead of you, you playing Sonic, you're just playing Cloud in like the Dissidia dash the entire time. Stop! <laughs> oh See? my god. So, so Done. you're telling me, so you're telling me, Yuji Naka's project is he's the one that's going to head up the Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> yep. That's the Final Fantasy VII that, remake. That's fine. Wait a minute. This is the go. darkest timeline. Wait a minute. I'm going to jump <laughs> in. Final I'm going to jump in and say he's being brought in for one reason and one reason only. He's not going to be a lead on the Final Fantasy VII remake, but he will be implementing a chocobo breeding system a la Chow's in Sonic Adventure 2. 
I can see that. <sighs> I can. I like that. I would and be about like it. That, this is how Pete I like that too. Control of the podcast. You can get uh, like a Shadow the Hedgehog fucking chocobo now. <laughs> this makes no. Just stop. Just stop. This I fucking bullshit, the terrible hair. fan fiction. The Shut up. <laughs> I think we just ruined it. We just ruined Square Enix. I think I just broke Pete, guys. <laughs> it's done. All right. Keep this fucking burning Tilt. garbage truck rolling. Uh, Crystal Dynamics has picked up two major industry veterans from Naughty Dog and Visceral Games for their upcoming Avengers title. So Square announced that they have acquired uh, 15 people who are, quote, top industry talent to make up the new team for Avengers, including uh, former Naughty Dog creative director Sean Eskeg. Eskeg? I, that's my best. That's my best one on that <laughs> okay. one. Sorry. Uh, and then Stephen Barry, who is a 27-year veteran of both EA and Visceral. So uh, SK served at 27 years. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, SK served as the creative director and writer on last year's Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which I was a big fan of. And uh, he's going to serve as the game's creative director. And there's no word on uh, what the other members, like who the other 13 people are or exactly what Barry would be doing. But uh, I would imagine that it'll be something similar to the role he held at EA, where he worked as a director of product development on uh, the Dead Space franchise. So um, this gives me a ton of confidence. You know, we, we've talked uh, a bit, you know, on this show about why the, this current gaming climate can be tough for single-player narrative-driven uh, games like this appears to be. Um, but I think when you attach it to an IP like Avengers with this level of talent, you mitigate a lot of those risks. So I'm really excited to see what comes of this game. I was already in, interested in it, but seeing uh, this level of talent from studios like Naughty Dog and Visceral that have this pedigree of making that type of game uh, is very exciting to me. I like how people are, are actually swinging for the fences this time because it seems like every once in a while like we get, a, we get an announcement and it's like, oh, it's people that shouldn't be doing this at all. But it looks like in the case of Google and, and in the case of this, it really seems like people are, are very serious about making really, really good content within the next couple of years. So all, all power to them. I'm also kind of glad that like the superhero genre of games in terms of like action platformers or something like we had a boatload of action platformers like in the like the big spam when they, a lot of those movies came out. They also had like the big platformer games come out. Like Sega made yeah. them, and a lot of those franchises made them. And just they weren't low they were quality just quality tie-ins. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I like that you're trying to make a big like movie tie-in per se, even though it may or may not be a movie tie-in. I like the fact yeah, that no, you're they throwing said that so much talent. Not. Okay, I yeah. do like the fact that you're throwing so much talent into this like major IP, mm-hmm. like this major license that you're trying to throw into instead of just taking the license and just making a game out of it with just people in-house. You're bringing in talent who have done a lot for the video games industry already. I mean, look at the games they worked on. You said Uncharted Lost Legacy, Dead Space, Batman Arkham Origins, just to name a few. So you know that some of the games that they've worked on um, are of good quality. Like one of my favorites out of that list was Dead Space. I love the original Dead Space. It was one of my mm-hmm. favorite games. So I'm glad that a lot of that talent is being put towards this project. Yeah, and it's also good to see that with Visceral closing that some of the major creatives are finding new homes, you know, where they can work on, on similar projects that excite them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think seeing um, – the fact that we didn't see a big influx of superhero games after the success of the Arkham trilogy has never made sense to me. You know, superheroes are a perfect fit for video games, and the fact that we're going to finally get Marvel games of that quality – 
ideally anyway, um, that aren't movie tie-ins that are their own standalone event is super exciting. Yeah. Just give me a game on par with Marvel Ultimate Alliance, and I'll be happy. That game wasn't even that good. The first one was really good. The first one is o- is pretty good, man. Yeah. It's okay. No, it's... We remember oh, that I game with really okay. rose-colored glasses. No, I've played it, like, within the last two or three years, and I, I think it's pretty still good. Yeah, you know, like, like, the second one's trash. Yeah, the second one bad. doesn't hold up at all. I mean... um, But, like, the first one really hits the nice, like, Diablo action RPG kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Ah, I I uh, I'm I'm not a fan of that game. Hey, I, if you want to if you want to see quality, then you go to Superman sixty four right there. Get the fuck out <laughs> of here! I think Peggy he has been fired from the video game pals effective immediately. You know I <laughs> yep. I invite I invite my friend Ed over here, and you guys just fucking embarrass me this whole episode. Just a bunch of fucking jackalopes. Honestly, fucking... <laughs> so what happens when Sean's not around to fucking keep you guys in check. It's just because right. Spider-Man is bad in Ultimate Alliance, Pete. Don't you know? It's a good game. No, it's just because Ultimate Alliance is not a good game. No, it's, it's just Spider-Man's it's... not good in it. That's fine. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate Alliance uh, is a great so... game. Last word. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, yes. Uh, Ojiro Futomo. Ojiro Futomo, I think, is the guy's name. Uh, he's the indie developer behind the incredibly inventive platformer from 2015, Downwell has uh, joined up with Nintendo. So he actually announced this new job on Facebook back in December saying it was super fun developing games as indie. I can't wait to see what it's like to develop games as part of a bigger team. Way excited. Uh, But this past week on Twitter, uh, I guess he kind of reconfirmed his, uh, you know, what's going on there, right? That he hadn't just been uh, hired for a one-off. Like, he, he is nintendo now so he said on twitter quote got a job at nintendo i'll do my best um so there's no word on what the developer is going to be working on or what his overall role at the company will be but i sincerely doubt that he was picked up just to code someone else's games right i I imagine he's going to be uh, a design leader at the company because um you know why else would you make the effort to pick this person up you know um, and I actually see this as huge news. I, you know, I, I think Nintendo has been great at making key partnerships with indies, but I think uh, hiring like fresh young talent like uh, Fumoto is, uh, you know, to make Nintendo games or to make ideally new IP for Nintendo uh, is the way to ensure that they have a steady stream of exclusive games on Switch. And I think getting people like this that have a, a design sensibility that matches up with their own uh, is. That's a really forward-thinking move. Wait, did you just you know? say Nintendo and exclusives in the same sentence? Yeah, they have good exclusives. Yeah, unlike the Xbox. Hey, <laughs> got them. So yeah, I'm hype on this one. This yeah. is huge. I think this is uh this is awesome, man. I'm I'm super excited. Like you know, we've been touting Nintendo's good praise for a while now. The one thing that's kind of interesting too, I noticed is his quote sounds like something you send to your uh, a text to your mom. It's like, "Got it, the job at Nintendo. I'll do my best." I'm gonna know? do my best, mom. <laughs> it's like so innocent and pure, you know. <laughs> it sounds like when he first gets summoned, like in yeah. Fire Emblem or something. So like, "I'll do my best," and then right. he goes off and like gets a crit hit or something. So yeah, I'm like, I, I love his like. It's like the first time I'm gonna play Dark Souls, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so I mean, bright and, and optimistic. The future is dark, and yeah. we'll, we'll see where it goes. I'm, I hope it stays I, light for him. Dude, I mean, I, I love this guy. Uh, like, his story of how he became a dev is so interesting. Like, he was studying opera at this university and, like, was making Downwell, like, for fun, basically. And, like, when Devolver Digital, like, saw it at an event, they were like, we're going to give you piles of money to publish this game. Please put it out. 
And, like, that's how his whole career started. Wow. Nice. <laughs> so now to see him uh, make his way up to, like, the big leagues at Nintendo is uh, super exciting. I loved Downwell, and I, I'm really excited to see what his next project is. Yeah, Downwell's a lot of fun. Um, I hope that Nintendo, like, gives him a crack at one of the, the B-list IPs if he wants it. Dude, I mean, I'd love to see him take a crack at something like, uh, you know, 2D Metroid or, you know, like, just something like that. Bring back a 2D, you know, version of one of the classic franchises. Like, I know it would be a departure, but fuck it, the series needs a departure. Have him make, like, a 16-bit Asteroids-esque, like, Star Fox. Mm, I could see it. Something like that could be a really good way to, like... Breathe some new life into an old IP yeah. that needs, uh... Breathe some new life you know. into an old IP, like, give it a cool, like, weird fucking Switch exclusive. Yeah, I want him to make a new Kid Icarus game. That's what I want. Ooh. Like, classic style, though. Yeah. That'd be You don't want to play Kid Icarus Uprising with the single worst control scheme on the 3DS? Not unless they port it to Switch. <laughs> uh, speaking of Switch, the vast majority of devs are reporting that games sell as well, if not better, on the Nintendo Switch. Ooh. So, according to the annual The State of the Games Industry Report, which is done by the Game Developers Conference, the Switch, um, the Switch's console sales, which you know we've discussed previously, it's the fastest selling console of all time, uh, are really affecting software sales as well. So when asked the question, have Switch quote have Switch games sale have Switch game sales compared to the average across all the platforms you've launched on, eighty four percent of respondents answered that the sales have been average or greater than average, with only sixteen percent saying that they were less than average. Uh, and then seventy three percent of developers also said that they were quote overwhelmingly confident that the Switch will outpace the Wii U's lifetime sales, uh, which jumps up from only fifty percent who felt that way last year. Um, and then IGN points out that there's also uh, the rise in interest for the Nintendo Switch seems to be in contrast to a decline uh, in interest in virtual reality. Last year, 24% of respondents said that they were working on a VR title, while only 17% said that this year. So seems like Switch is, uh, you know, a hit with developers. Obviously, we've known that software has been selling really well there, but to hear that 84% of respondents say it's selling as well or better than any other platform is, uh, that's huge. Yeah. You know, that's that's going to lead to more support for the Switch. I think it's, I think the other thing to also lend into that is that the other thing that sells in this generation, as you mentioned, VR isn't necessarily a selling point in this generation. Portability is now a selling point in this generation because you look at the Switch and you, it's not like the most powerful thing on the market, but the fact that it's getting all these high quality titles, like with the Bayonetta port coming out soon, just to name an example, and you can take it anywhere. And I think yep. that that's the appeal uh, going into the rest of 2018 and going into when we get to E3 later on this year is the fact that you have these higher quality games that are coming out on all the systems. Nintendo has that edge because of their portability. Yep, it's it's yeah, just man. amazing. It's great. Well, if you've never touched the Switch before, grab one at your local store and you'll feel the magic inside of you. It's great. Once you realize what it can do for you. No, and I, I, I truly believe that. Like, it's honestly, the Switch is, like, it's my favorite console right now. You know? And, like, I love my PlayStation 4, but I, I haven't been this intimately connected with a console since my Xbox 360. You know? Or, like, I play my Switch all the time. Whenever, whenever there's a game that I can get on Switch, you better believe I'm picking it up on Switch. Yeah, that's you know? kind of how I feel. It's like, why not get it on the Switch? Because if right. you ever want to be outside of your house doing this, for whatever reason, you can play it now. So, Or, yeah. or even just the simple thing of, like I said, I picked up Celeste last night. I started playing it in docked mode, and I was playing with the Pro Controller, and I wanted to get in bed. 
picked it up, walked in the other room, you know? And it's like, it's that easy. And mm-hmm. like, you're right, Ed, that I think portability is a selling point because who else has portability? You know, like the 3DS is the only other portable it. thing on the... R.I. fucking P because I love I loved my PlayStation Vita, but you know the uh, the Switch delivers on the promise of the Vita and then some. So yeah, like I these numbers are super super um, emboldening. I think I'm really glad to see them. I'm glad to see that it's working for these indie devs that they're seeing their games uh, sell well and that uh, the Switch is is proving itself to be a viable platform. Speaking of the Switch proving itself to be a viable platform. this isn't in our news list, but I want to jump in as the Atlas fanboy pal. Oh, boy. Um, Atlas put out a fan survey yesterday in Japan asking a fuck ton of questions about its franchises and what people want to see going forward. But one of the interesting things is every time they ask about, like, do you want to see a Persona game? Do you want to see X, Y, or Z? One of the other questions is, which platform would you like to see it on? And Switch is always listed. Good. Let me get that Persona 5 Golden, and maybe I'll actually fucking finish that game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait for Persona 6. Um, other interesting things from that survey include, if a Persona game listed below were to be announced, would you play them? If so, please tell us which device you'd like it for. Persona shooting game, Persona 5 fighter, Persona 6, Persona series strategy game, Persona series action RPG, Persona series online RPG, or Persona board game. Put them all on the Switch. Put everything on the Switch. <laughs> yeah, including the board game. I'd love to see that. <laughs> Do it. Persona what party? Do I want? <laughs> oh, that would be good. Oh, my God. Because you can really kill your friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It would be great. That's that's incredible. That's genius, man. You're onto something there. You gotta patent that. <laughs> I will. All right, so, I'm gonna do so it after the show. Al- <laughs> right after the show. <laughs> so moving along to some Sony news, uh, we got a new God of War trailer that confirms an April 20th release date for the game. 420 Blaze it. Uh, so on the PlayStation blog, Corey Balrog, who is the creative director at Sony. <laughs> what? Sony that's Corey Balrog. <laughs> that's his fucking name. Corey that's a human Balrog. Name. Okay. Of yeah, course, Corey Balrog's the one who sets 42069 for God of War. Yep. Yeah, of course he likes the thing where you get to kill demons and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, he's the creative director at Sony Santa Monica. He's been working on the God of War franchise uh, since since its inception. Um, so he said that God of War's release date is quote my favorite release day of my entire career. I live to be one hundred. I do not think I will be able to top this release date. Oh man! So, Corey Balrog, the baller. Isn't that the yeah, same dude. day as Nintendo Labo? It is. <laughs> Those are the same very price? different target audiences. I do audiences. remember four twenty sixty nine. Yep, I don't know how I'm, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to choose yeah, between those two is, games. This just, is incredible. Just pointed it out there. A lot of people like 420, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I mean, look, 420. What would you rather have, a game or cardboard, cardboard that you could make, you could do more with on 420? All I'm saying Nintendo's is Nintendo's always I, thinking ahead. It sounds yeah, like a exactly. great day to get high with your kids and build a robot. That <laughs> sounds like a great day. Don't do that. And then when you, don't want to do re- that. when you want to put the little ones to bed, you have God of War to slay your enemies. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Wait, Pete. There you go. Can you please do a Let's Play of Nintendo Labo on 420 where you get high with your dad and build a robot? <laughs> I 
just, just video of, we like we do one of those like vice videos of like me and my dad like hitting a bong and smoking a blunt and stuff and then like afterwards it's like all right let's try and build nintendo labo <laughs> It's like a Vice News segment. Yeah, I can see that working. 10 out of 10 would watch. Would I'll film watch. it for you if you want. All right. Maybe, maybe we'll have to try that. Illegal activity. Uh, It might be legal in the state of New Jersey by then, and then I would try drugs for the first time because obviously I've never done anything illegal in my entire life. But neither has Pete's father. No, we're upstanding citizens. You're Italians. Um, whoa! <laughs> I do not appreciate that fucking racism Where did get I the olive from? oil off your skin and let's do the podcast <laughs> you're motherfuckers i know um fucking your people uh, invented olive garden pete remember that uh no olive your Garden's people good. invented olive garden you fucking cultural appropriating motherfucker <laughs> goddamn generic nondescript white boy so anyway about details of the various special editions, which we've linked to down below if you're into that sort of thing. There's like three of them. I don't want to take you through all the special editions. You can get a Kratos statue and some pins and shit. Go check it out. Um, so there's not much to say on this beyond uh, the hype is real for this game. You know, I, I'm really glad we finally know when we got our hands on it. We got a little bit more about the story, a little bit more about Kratos' relationship with his son, Atreos. Uh, I'm all about Dad of War, so I, I can't fucking wait to pick this one up. I prefer God of Dad. <laughs> dad of gods <laughs> spoiler like here's like what if like five minutes into the game all the footage we've seen is all of the kratos footage and then you play as the kid for the rest of the game oh my god oh, <laughs> like, that was... like, the like biggest one of them's you. gotta die in the first two hours right yeah i mean absolutely no like, come on nah, i don't think so There's no way that like, sounds like kratos, some Hide- like it's a god of war like game some Hideo kojima bullshit it, yeah, yeah probably. right hey Metal Gear Solid 2 is fucking great, and I will fight you, And all, all the Metal Gear I'm not, great, listen, I didn't say survive. anything about Metal Gear Solid 2. I'm just saying it was a swerve. That's it. <laughs> okay. yeah. I'm just pointing out the facts. Yeah. I'm not stating any opinions. It was a little blow for me back then, but it's a great game. Definitely you know? swerve. Yeah. Yeah, so I, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, if anything, maybe Kratos dies at the end, but... And then we see his son become the bald d- dad of war, but uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> what about the son um, of war? Son of War. Son of War. Yeah, he's a son Child of War. Of war. <laughs> Child of War. Hey, that's pretty that good. sounds like a mockumentary. Son of Dad. <laughs> that does sound like a mockumentary. All right, so uh, our next two are are pretty hefty. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just get right into these. So according to sources close to Jason Schreier over at Kotaku, the pressure is on for Bioware and their next game, Anthem. Uh, so this is another fantastic piece by Jason, uh, which AKA Jason Schreier, what an actual video game journalist looks like. Uh, throw all the shade you want. This dude is a fucking staunch professional, and uh, I highly recommend you check it out for yourself. Um, you know, this is definitely, I would say, some required reading, but uh, I'm going to pull some quotes from here so that we're all up to speed and we can jump into this conversation together. Uh, so from Jason's article, uh, and I'm going to be jumping around here, so know that there's there are bits missing here. I really highly recommend you go read the whole thing. So Jason writes, Over the past few months, Bioware has essentially transformed into into a single-game studio as it harnesses its teams to work on the ambitious multiplayer action game Anthem, sources say. There are still small teams maintaining Star Wars The Old Republic and piecing together the next Dragon Age, which was recently rebooted, but the bulk of Bioware staff in both Edmonton and Austin are both on Anthem. And uh, there's a sense among Bioware employees that the company's future is inextricably tied to this game. 
Anthem, which was announced at E3 2017, is now scheduled for release in early 2019, according to the three people familiar with the project. The fall 2018 window mentioned during that E3 announcement was, quote, never realistic, one source said. Exact dates remain in flux, and Anthem's developers must also plan for a beta release, an EA Access launch, and an ongoing schedule of patches and updates, but it appears unlikely to developers that publisher EA will allow Bioware to delay the game any further than March 2019, when the company's 2019 fiscal year comes to an end. It's not unusual for Bioware to pull staff from other projects as it enters the final year of production on a game. In recent years, Bioware has done the same for both Mass Effect Andromeda and Dragon Age Inquisition. But Anthem, the studio's first new franchise in eight years, and EA's first big stab at a Destiny-style persistent online world, feels different. To Bioware staff, the stakes feel higher than they ever have. As one developer told me, there's a belief that if Anthem doesn't live up to EA's expectations, Bioware will look very different in the future, especially after the disappointment of Mass Effect Andromeda led to EA absorbing Bioware Montreal into the studio EA motive. Now, with a year left in development and a climate that's grown more turbulent thanks to controversies over EA's Star Wars Battlefront 2 and Activision's Destiny 2, pressure is mounting for Anthem to be great. In the past few weeks, I've spoken to more than half a dozen people close to the project, all of whom spoke anonymously because they were not authorized to talk about the game, and they've described feeling both optimistic and anxious. Optimistic that the game can, that they can make something good, but anxious at the number of forces that appear to be pushing against them. Over the last year, as Anthem's production ramped up and Bioware began putting more and more of its staff on the project, things appear to have improved. When I asked one source whether Anthem's struggles fell more into the category of, quote, this game is screwed, or, quote, game development is really hard, the source said that over time it had veered from the former to the latter. And uh, while people close to Bioware have said similar th oh, I'm sorry, other people close to Bioware have said similar things, although it's not hard to find developers willing to complain about Frostbite, the game engine initially designed for EA's Battlefield games, which has impeded many of Bioware's projects over the past decade. And then there's the toxicity problem. As video game pundit sees any opportunity to stoke anger at big publishers, two people have worked on Anthem, two people who have worked on Anthem, excuse me, expressed anxiety to me about the way some big YouTubers have spread misinformation and inflammatory rhetoric about EA, saying that it has a demoralizing effect on those people on the ground level. To people who work for EA, the publisher isn't just a cold corporate master. It's a complicated machine that, yes, is concerned first and foremost with generating revenue for investors, but also supports thousands of people in many tangible and intangible ways. Ways. People close to Bioware, along with many other developers I've talked to in recent months, worry that commentary from some of YouTube's loudest voices has eliminated nuance and made companies like EA seem like Disney villains. If you're a Bioware fan, there are certainly reasons to be hopeful. Anthem staff has shown a willingness to be transparent and engage with fans, as technical design director Brendan Holmes posts frequently on Reddit to answer questions and share details on the game. What we've seen in the game has looked spectacular, even if last year's footage seems a little too pretty to be real. One thing is undeniable, however. For, for Bioware, the pressure is on. So, any reactions to that? Uh, well, I want to take issue with like the the sentiment that gets thrown around that like EA being concerned with generating revenue for its investors is a bad thing yeah like they're a company like they're a company and the supreme court has literally said like that is the the purpose of the corporation that is the only thing they are allowed to concern themselves with like, if that means making good art, that's fine. If that means microtransactions, like, it's it's their job to make money for the people who invest in them. Right. 
Yeah, and, and I, I gamers definitely have. You know, we talked about gamer entitlement a lot on this show, and I think that's uh, an attitude you'll see a lot of gamers throw around going into these discussions. That like all they care about is money, and it's like, well, well yeah, yeah, like on some level, businesses need revenue. Video games are expensive. Yeah, but I just think like a lot of people seem to forget, obviously, like that they need to make money, but sometimes that impacts the gameplay, and that's what cons- that, people see that once, and then they. Never forget it. You know what I mean. They they don't have room sure. to. So you also got. I guess the one thing one took away I got from that is the fact that you hear EA say that we can't delay the game past the the next fiscal year, which is basically by March this game has to be done. And I think that's also kind of concerning to me, at least when I kind of hear like the aspects of the article is that you kind of have this overarching publisher that basically has these deadlines that, yeah, I know there's always going to be deadlines whenever you're making any kind of project. And you want to kind of put that game out for the masses who are really excited about, you know, what the next project is from a big studio, um, especially with a, one with the pedigree like uh, Bioware, who's done the Dragon Age and Mass Effect games. And we know that Andromeda had its disappointing share um, in terms of review scores and everything else because it felt rushed. And, and it was. You, and it no. was. And you kind of want... EA to kind of learn that lesson like hey listen you got this big new IP you just announced Anthem and you want to have what's the way we're looking for you kind of want to take your time with it because you want to kind of show that hey we have this new IP and we want to kind of treat it with respect it's going to be our next big franchise yeah we kind of had our issues with Mass Effect but we want to treat Anthem as the next big thing you don't want to hear something that says oh well you know it kind of seems like same old EA we're just going to wait to try to rush it out I talked about on the podcast uh, we just recorded, the 2018 preview, one of our panelists uh, actually mentioned on air saying, I think that EA is going to try to rush this game out. He thought it was going to come out the fall this year. He thought that that no date way. was going to stay. And I was like, no, I think they're going to delay it. But if the fact that you're waiting until 2019, like March 2019 and no more, if you're, especially if you're maybe like a couple months more development time needed, especially for QA, for quality assurance – and you're still going to put out the game anyway, you don't want to have another Mass Effect Andromeda situation because then it pretty much throws Bioware under the bus. It makes EA look like the Disney villain no matter what they want to say, even with the quote-unquote misinformation um, that's stated in the article. It kind of makes that, like almost like that stereotype of the villain almost still come true if you rush out Anthem and it turns out to be a whole pile of buggy mess. Yep. Yeah, I think you're spot on, man. And I, I think... You know, Anthem is an opportunity for them to say, hey, we've heard your feedback. We've learned from our mistakes. If, if it is more of the same, if it is like a Destiny situation where the game comes out and it's not good, there's not enough content, it's not fun to play, I don't know that they get a second chance. You know, and like we've seen that time and time again with other similar games, but like Anthem is not the first game like this like Destiny was. It's not even the second game like this like The Division was. Like... It's coming into an already crowded marketplace with the negative um, baggage of being an EA published title. Bioware is not looking great after Mass Effect Andromeda. Like, there's a lot going against this game. And I think if it's the difference of getting it out in that that quarterly, um, you know, getting it out in that fashion so that you can put it on your quarterly earnings report is not worth kneecapping what could be a game that makes you money for five years or six years mm, yep. or whatever it is, you know, or that becomes a lasting franchise that is bankable. I think exactly. especially if it's at the cost of Bioware and their reputation. I think EA's sort of 
locked itself into a cycle of shooting itself in the foot because it's still in the sort of mid-2000s mindset where, like, you announce a game and then, it, you know, it's, oh, we got Anthem coming out eventually. And, like, Fallout 4 kind of broke that paradigm. Because, like, now you basically don't talk about a game until it's almost done and ready to drop. Ideally, anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Fallout 4 was, you know, obviously a, a different case where it was like, oh, yeah, we formally announced this game in May and it comes out in November. That was great. Oh, also, it's Fallout. Like, yeah. Fallout has that cachet. Yeah, but, like... There's so many games coming out now that, like, I get that EA wants to try and control as much mind space as it can. But uh, releasing, like, announcing an IP with no definite release date, then rushing it because your last game didn't do well. Then it doesn't do well because it was rushed. Then you announce a new game, and then you rush it because your last game didn't do well. There's a cycle. Yep, yep. There, yeah, it's a domino effect. There's a cycle, and I think EA would have been smarter to just hold off on Anthem until it was ready to go, rather than, you know, run this, oh, we're making Destiny, but you're Iron Man. And then having everyone close to the project come out and be like, it's a hot mess. Well, it, it was a hot mess. Ah. They're feeling more confident about it now, just to be fair, but... Maybe they yeah. wanted to, like, push it up because, you know, some of the Destiny 2 players, uh, you know, like, con- like, streaming is down a little bit for her, and some people are likely, maybe they figure they can jump in on that, that market, you know, uh, while people still want to play a game like that. Maybe they think they have something with it. I don't trust EA a lot, you know? Uh, I-, I want Bioware to succeed always, you know? But, like Pete said, they have a lot going for uh, against them at this one, so it's like... Uh, you know, I, I hope it works out, you know. I really do. I don't want to see Bioware go away. Like I mean, that. me neither. Not, they're not going to go away. I mean, they run, like, the the Star Wars, Gal- uh, you know, MMO uh, that they have, you know, like... I mean, that's... It doesn't thing, have a lot of players is... either, too, but, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, but I I, I think that it, it's, it's probably an overstep to say that Bioware is in trouble, but I don't think that Bioware is uh, an institution that is like yeah, no. safe forever. I, right? No, 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 like, no. I don't think they're in trouble yet. But I mean, this would put them on the path to being, you know, like if this game's a flop, yeah, you can only I, I ride think... Kotor two and Mass Effect two so far into the future, right, man? And, and I think that's true. Like, I, I honestly think that if this game goes south, you're gonna see Edmonton or Austin. You know, one of them is gonna close. Everyone will go to one studio, and Dragon Age might be, like, their last shot, you know? And uh, that's honestly a good opportunity for us to transition into the, the the last news story before we get into our meat and potatoes, which is, so that wasn't all we were able to learn from Jason's article. So uh, Thompson just mentioned, right, um, the Old Republic. So in Jason's original report, we learned that Bioware has also apparently discussed ending development on Star Wars The Old Republic, according to some of his sources. Um, one, one person, one person who's familiar with the studio told me that, uh, plans are still up in the air, but, um, it, it kind of seems like how this plays out, how Bioware looks in the aftermath of this, uh, 
you know, there might be some restructuring ahead. And that could mean the end of the Old Republic because, like Thompson said, it's not exactly a huge game. Yeah, and well, I'm those, glad those I'm blowing re- through it right now because of my clothes, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those resources might just be better spent somewhere else, right? If Anthem is a huge hit, it might make sense to bring that support team over to work on Anthem instead. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But uh, the other major headline, though, that came from this, which I'm sure some of you have seen bopping around, uh, is that the next Dragon Age game is apparently going to, at least in part, be a, quote, live game. So following the publication of Jason's articles, um, or article, rather, uh, studio head Casey Hudson, who's also kind of one of the the main creative leads behind um, uh, Dragon Age, confirmed that the next Dragon Age game will have a live opponent excuse me, will have a live component, but he reassured fans saying, quote, reading lots of feedback regarding Dragon Age, and I think you'll be relieved to see what the team is working on. Story and character focus. Too early to talk details, but when we talk about, quote, live, it just means designing a game for continued storytelling after the main story. So, jury's out on what that means. Um, Maybe that means DLC missions, you know, akin to what we saw in Dragon Age Origins. Maybe that means some kind of uh, multiplayer thing like we saw in Inquisition that expands the story in some way. Um, I'm fine with that as long as we get a true Dragon Age game that is the story-driven, character-focused, single-player experience that it's known for. As long as we get that, whatever else comes is fine. Give us a full game first, we'll give you the DLC money after. I'm going to exactly a proposition. The GTA V model. (laughs) (laughs) The GTA Five model. I'm gonna. If float. people hate them, that's it's not their fault that people threw money at them. Yeah, you know? GTA Five is literally in my mind the perfect model for this. If you need to make an always online thing to make your millions or billions, fine, as long as I get an actual legit robust single player narrative game, like which is what we got. And it has to be Granted, fun. We would have <laughs> so. gotten GTA Six already probably if that game wasn't still selling. Yeah, but like, like I don't care. Um, my issue with the GTA Five model is less the model and more the fact that. It came out at the end of a generation, and Rockstar was like, well, we're definitely not going to release it on PC or on the next-gen consoles. And then, and then like, six months <laughs> later, did, yeah. released it, and everybody bought that game twice. Um, I mean, whatever. Like, fucking reality's changed, man. They sh- like they would have been stupid to not do that, and, like, nobody made you buy that game twice. If you spent $120 on GTA V, that is your business. I did not. Right, um, and I know, so that's, like, my thing, is, like, if you wanted to pay for that game twice, God bless you. It's like, like someone, you know, said L.A. Noir needs to be on the Switch, like, okay. <laughs> L.A. Noir does need to be on the Switch, because fucking playing with evidence with your Joy-Cons is really fun. Um, or, like, I don't know, how about the third time that people bought Skyrim? Like, it's fine. You yep, know, like, if, yep. right, like, if you mm-hmm. want to buy a game twice, that's your prerogative. Too many times. And I'm not going to blame I fucking Skyrim's. <laughs> Like my Castlevania still being I have on every system. I was playing on PS4 earlier this week. And on your Switch while we're doing this podcast. Yeah, I mean, well, you know. She's playing right now. I have to buy my fourth copy. I haven't done that yet, Andy. (laughs) Um, What? I'm not... (laughs) (laughs) For you audio listeners, uh, Peggy just picked up her Switch. (laughs) Into frame, yeah. Yeah, so... Jury's out on this one. Like, obviously, the word live game is, I think, a bit of a trigger word for some gamers, uh, me included. I'm wary about this. Dragon Age is my favorite franchise, um, at least when it comes to, you know, like, RPGs. Um, 
and I really want to see a return to form for the uh, the series because I think they kind of strayed away from the path with Inquisition a bit. I, and uh, I think it's impressive how good of a game Dragon Age Origins is that Dragon Age is still your favorite RPG franchise. Dude, listen. Yeah, considering that there's so many other installments in the series and the first one is still your favorite, man. Origins is one of the best games ever made despite its many, many flaws. I really yeah, love Dragon Age 2. Like, I don't care what the haters have to say. Dragon Age 2 is a good game. And Inquisition is a good game buried underneath a bunch of shit that had no business being in a Dragon Age game. So if we can trim some of that fat and get back to basics um, with a live game tacked on the side, that's fine. But uh, I have to say, like, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about the future of Bioware here. I, you know? like, I'm going to float a proposition for the live game I would like to see in uh, Dragon Age 4, whatever they end up calling okay. it. Um, so, it's apparently a reboot, so I don't know. Oh, we'll see. That's weird. Or they said the game got rebooted, so I don't oh. know if that means that they're rebooting Dragon Age versus. No, like, I think I think they probably like just threw everything out they were working on because they realized yeah. it was bad. Um, so what I would like to see is you get your single player Dragon Age campaign, and then it ends sort of like Dragon Age Two, where it's just like this war is happening. What the fuck do we do? And then. Like, you choose to commit your forces to a side, and then it turns into Planet Side 2. Where it's like, you say, I'm going to fight with the mages. I'm going to fight with the Templars. We need to bring back the Grey Wardens. They need to control uh, Thedas. I I think something like that could totally work. Uh, and I think, like, that is kind of what they tried with Inquisition. Uh, to mix success, obviously. Um, and I, I think something like that could really work. And, and I, I hope that's the route they go. Because I will be really disappointed if the next Dragon Age is Anthem with swords and sorcery. That's yeah. not something I want. If, if that's the post-game for the next Dragon Age, that's great. But, like, sure. post-game, not whole game. Yeah, yeah. We need, we need our story. Also, like, I really hope the writing is as good as the, like, side character writing was in Inquisition. Which is, for my money the best writing in a non-Mass Effect 2 Bioware game since KOTORs? I don't know that I agree with that, but I don't think you're far off. I don't know. Like I, my, It's it's that content that made Inquisition yeah. a game I trudged through. Like, my, my favorite, like, 15 minutes of any Dragon Age game is uh, my first playthrough of Origin, or of Inquisition, I Romance Cassandra. Mm -hmm. And, like, at the, like, the end of her romance, there's this great fucking, like, she sits you down and she's like, what is history going to say about us? Like, are we in the right? Because either we go down as, like, the people who reformed the church or we're a heretic and his whore. Like. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I think Cassandra, Iron Bull, Dorian are all, like, really top tier. Varric. Uh, I mean, Varric obviously was already in DA2, um, but even, like, Blackwell and Solace, like, there, there are some great characters in Inquisition, and uh, I think if we can refocus on that, oh, Dragon Age and, and what's-his-face, okay. Ghost Boy? Oh, yeah, um, I can't think of his name. He's cool. Sad little, 
The sad little ghost boy. Sad little yeah. ghost boy who hears everyone suffering and, you know, wants to kill them to make it easier. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Chaotic let's, good. uh, fingers crossed for Bioware. That's, that's where I want to end this one on is I, I love Bioware. I want to see them succeed. I, I don't want to see them go the way of Visceral. I like dragons. Um, so... I like ages. Yeah, and I mean, like, I have no interest in games like Destiny. I'm here for Anthem because I'm a Bioware guy. And I'm going to give it a shot. I want to see it succeed. So, best of luck, guys. If Anthem doesn't work, there might be a mass effect in the company. Oh, God. I, Y'all made fun of me for bad shit. I got to say. Really? With that pun? Not crazy about mm. the Iron Man suits. I think I'm going to kneel for the Anthem. <laughs> Again. Fucking stop! I just died inside. <laughs> Andy's Whatever life I had in me guy. is gone. Welcome to the palace. Yeah, I know. I just that's We're how you sac- I, You join the palace by sacrificing your life to bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, Ed. Next week when I fire Andy and Peggy to bring on you and and uh, AJ full time, it'll be all right. <laughs> Wait, we're getting fired, but Thompson's not. <laughs> Oh. No. Damn right. <laughs> Put in the time. He has his favorites. Thompson's union, bitch. Yeah. You can't fire me. I invented this podcast. Well, I showed up late to the party. How dare you? Damn. You can't talk shit against me for so long and just spew out that level of trash puns and expect there to be no random. You're damn fucking You're right fucked. I can. Listen, you're gonna be fined two thousand dollars, and you're we're gonna kick you out until the first round of uh, of the first thing is over in February. Then we'll see if you can come back. Is that an XQC some... joke? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Continuity. See, if you if you're a longtime listener now, uh, there's wait, history there. Continuity. <laughs> Last week. Conti- well, shut up. I don't. Shut Speaking up. Yeah. of longtime listeners, if you've been listening the long time, this podcast is going on. I got a present for you. Um, I just found out that Humble Monthly, which I'm subscribed to, added a second early unlock that I already have. So I'm doing an Owlboy key giveaway. Oh. Right nice. here on the Comics Pals. You going to do it right now? Um, I'm not going to like, <laughs> like say the code. I'm going to say write in for your chance okay. to win a free copy of Owlboy. All right, that works. Email yeah, us. Right in. What? I want a copy. <laughs> well, you better write in. Write a two hundred word essay on why you deserve it more than Thompson. Oh, that's the topic. <laughs> write in how much more you deserve it than me. I like that. I like and that. Who, but yeah. it, I think keep it to three hundred words. Yeah, keep it tight. MLA format. Work cited at the end. MLA. Get I mean, that, unless no. somebody brings in like a <laughs> like a forty page document, like that person's getting it. But yeah, it's got to be real. It can't be just gibberish yeah. or plagiarized. If yeah. it's if it's forty pages, there has to be like graphs and numbers. Forty though. pages and submitted to turnitin.com by five o'clock on Friday. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so write us in uh, at the video game pals by the next episode, and uh, the winner will get a free key of Owlboy. So keep your keep your uh, Pete really fucking loves that game for next week. Yeah. It's a hoot. So. <laughs> Peggy, you're, you're rehired. Peggy, you're back. You're fucking wow. back. She's back. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I gotta give away video games to get back on the show. Peggy makes one good pun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know what, you guys, you guys. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe rewards are around. leveled, Andy.
All right, so our last news story this week is going to take us into our meat and potatoes discussion. Uh, so I'm just going to start by reading this blog post from Major Nelson, uh, which is titled, Xbox Game Pass Expands to Include New Releases for Microsoft Studios. Uh, so this is written by Phil Spencer, who is uh, the head of gaming over at Xbox, and uh, basically he's kind of giving all the details to the big changes that are coming to Xbox Game Pass. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Xbox Game Pass is kind of like a Netflix-style subscription service that they're offering. It's 10 bucks a month, uh, and instead of streaming the games like you would on PlayStation Now, you can actually download them, and any games that get cycled off the platform, you're able to uh, purchase at a reduced price. So uh, if you're an Xbox gamer, it's it's a really, really good deal. Um, and uh, what they're doing now is actually making it, um, I would say... A, way more attractive. B, potentially a fucking game changer. So uh, I'll, let, I'll let Phil explain it. So uh, he writes, When we launched Xbox Game Pass in June 2017, we knew we wanted to craft a service with gamers in mind. That meant a diverse, expanding library of over 100 games and counting matched with one monthly price and unlimited access to download and play full fidelity experiences. We've been blown away by the incredible response. Following launch, we heard from fans around the world who wanted Xbox Game Pass in their country. In September, we expanded globally and Xbox Game Pass is now available to fans in 40 countries. We've also continued to expand the catalog with new games added to the Xbox Game Pass library every month, so there's always something new to play. We know our fans value having a variety of games to play at a low monthly price. We've also heard from fans that the ability to play new blockbuster games in Xbox Game Pass is important, so we've continued to explore new ideas to make this possible. Today, we're excited to announce plans for a major expansion of the Xbox Game Pass that underscores our commitment to, to deliver our fans the ultimate gaming subscription service. Moving forward, we plan to release all new Xbox One games from Microsoft Studios into Xbox Game Pass on the same day as their global release. This means that when Sea of Thieves launches on March 20th, it will be included in Xbox Game Pass to all members. So, again, this is fucking huge. Yep. All Xbox wow. original games are going to be available day one at a price of $10 a month. I know I we think ripped it's on 20, uh, isn't it? the X. No, it's 10 Oh, shit. I know I we know. ripped on it earlier, uh, Andy, the Xbox exclusives, but uh, damn. <laughs> um, right. Also. Um, it doesn't really say this, but games that are play anywhere, like Sea of Thieves, are going to be. You can sign up for Xbox Game Pass without having an Xbox and play it on your PC, which I think I might do. That, uh, oh wow, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, so that's huge. And um, this next big thing is also huge, right? So they say this plan to bring new games timed with their global release into Xbox Game Pass not only includes announced titles like Sea of Thieves, State of Decay Two, and Crackdown Three all of which are big games, obviously, but future unannounced games for Microsoft Studio, including new iterations of our biggest Xbox One exclusive franchises, such as Halo, Forza, and Gears of War, on the same day they launch. Wow. So again, Jeez. you're talking about major fucking titles like this, and if you play two of these games, this pays for itself. Yep. For know? the year. For the 10 bucks a month. Yeah, 10 bucks a month is an insane deal for Yeah, this. play two games in one month, you've paid for the whole year's subscription. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Uh... And not even in a month, in a fucking, in a year, if you hit those two games. You know, if you play any of these games, yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're really, you know, it's a, it's a good deal. Uh, so then our fans have also asked for more choice in the subscription offerings available for Xbox Game Pass. As a part of today's library expansion, we are also pleased to announce that we are working closely with our retail partners, such as GameStop, to offer a six-month Xbox Game Pass subscription card for those fans who look for a variety of ways to purchase and enjoy new games and services. 
So, you know, like they're saying they're going to be offering, uh, you know, basically an Xbox Live equivalent where you can go and buy a, a retail card for 60 bucks at a video game store instead of, you know, uh, having to get your credit card on the docket for the 10 months and, you know, worrying about cancellation and all that stuff. If you want to just go this route, you know, you can pay the price of one game and play that game or whatever else you're going to try out. Do you Which need this that is Xbox also... Live if you want to use this service on the Xbox? Yes. Yeah, you have to have Xbox Live. And what so about the Xbox PC? Live can you just Game use Pass. just the Game Pass uh, on the PC? That's a good question. I actually, I'm not sure about how that would work if you can use it on PC without Xbox I Live. I think you I can. Im- I would imagine you would be able to. Because that's the case, I'm doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think I might as well. Uh, so they said that that will be available on March 20th. This is a big deal because it also opens up Game Pass to kids, people who don't have credit cards and want to pay for things in petty cash. Um that's great. That's what I was doing when I was a teenager, yep. you know, to get my Xbox yeah, Live subscription. Definitely. So, PSN, uh, but yep. This hits a whole other market. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually on the uh, Xbox Game Pass, and I'm looking at the FAQs, and there are a couple of things that um, are important to know. Um, to answer a couple of the questions, you don't need gold to have Xbox Game Pass. You just need gold oh. for the features, whatever the functionality that Xbox Gold needs, like multiplayer and so on and so forth. That How, is awesome. Now, the big feature xbox game pass is only for xbox one it's a console based uh subscription service so you can't use it on pc you cannot use it on pc um it says that but uh, as of right now if you have xbox game pass you can play record on your pc I imagine that, yeah, I would imagine that Play, play Anywhere titles might be the exception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More or less, just because of how unique those specific games are. I can see that being a little different. Um, but I imagine that's huh. like all the games are going to be a little different. Um, yeah, also, but I, I, I wonder if that's so that they're trying to like sever it in your mind so that you, because like maybe you can't use like the third party games or something like that. Right, yeah. right, exactly. I believe um, that is what it is. Most games are going to be – you could get up to possibly a 20% discount on the game if you decide you want to pay for it. Which is significant. Yeah, no, that's actually yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then they say here, right, with uh, the addition of more great games, new blockbuster releases, and a new subscription offer, we are giving fans more choice and value in how they discover and enjoy games, purchase games for their permanent library, or play games through Xbox Game Pass for one low price. We've only scratched the surface of the opportunity this new model brings to the industry, what we can deliver our fans. We firmly believe Xbox Game Pass will be a catalyst to create new opportunities for game developers and publishers to innovate in the ways games are developed and delivered, leading to entirely new ways to play. We're truly humbled by the incredible response we've received for uh, to date for xbox game pass and we look forward to offering an unprecedented choice and value with xbox game pass this spring and beyond phil spencer so uh, i am i am really uh inclined to agree with him about his statements about uh what this could mean for for games you know that if this if this subscription uh service is successful uh, I imagine we'll see imitators, mm-hmm. and that could really, really shake things up. Um, so we'll talk about that, I would imagine, in this broader conversation, but I wanted to start specifically in, in the realm of Xbox Game Pass, right? Uh, Xbox is making a major play here with Games Pass, and I want to throw it to you all. Do you think that this is enough? Do you think that this, coupled with the X, coupled with 
the goodwill I think Microsoft has earned from gamers from pro consumer moves like the pro controller or uh, backwards compatibility like do you think that Xbox is starting to have enough here to make Xbox an attractive place to play for people who you know aren't initiated who are uh, in bed with Sony or have a PC or, or what have you um, I would say if you are choosing between the two different consoles, like if you're choosing between Xbox or PlayStation, this can definitely push you towards Microsoft just because of the fact that you don't necessarily – A, you don't have to pay for a gold membership, which is definitely a huge plus. So it makes things a lot better for that. So you don't have to have two subscriptions going on at the same time. And it opens up a boatload of games that you can get into, um, almost like a trial run of xbox if you will so you're paying the subscription just to get a trial run of what xbox games are available so i think if you're uninitiated with any kind of video game console this generation this is kind of a good way to go about it and it's kind of very influential to swing your way towards xbox if you are already kind of in the know in terms of owning a lot a lot of consoles or having a big library of games already it might not because you kind of i would say i'm a big sony person myself as well um and i think the fact that I lean towards a console as well. Toward what's the word I'm looking for? Exclusives. Um, and I see on the chart, Sea of Thieves. I see Crackdown. I see State of Decay. And I know, based on this article, you have a Halo, a Forza, and a Gears of War coming down the pipeline as well. Um, also, but what else is kind of like the next tagline? But what else? When you look at Sony, and you you kind of know the big five. You kind of know what that there's Days Gone. You know there's Last of Us. You know there's Spider Man. You know there's Detroit Become Human. You know God of War is coming out this year. So if you're a big exclusives person, you kind of know Sony has that leg up on that. Nintendo's yep. always gonna, Nintendo has a leg up no matter what. But if you're looking at the high fidelity to like the 4K consoles between Xbox and PlayStation, you kind of know that PlayStation has the leg up on that. So I don't know if this would sway you that way. Maybe to get an Xbox to try those exclusives out for a little while. And then I guess playing the other games you may want to lead there, but if all the most of those games in that library are going to be games you already own on your PlayStation, it doesn't really help there. Yeah, I think when it comes to it, it's more like I'm I am in bed with Sony as you as you said, uh, but I think when it comes to like what console I want to play in all HS, I don't necessarily think about the price of getting the content as much as the content itself. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, this is really cool, and I think this will help people stay on Xbox if they're already there. Or maybe, like, a parent who who isn't entirely sure which console to go to and probably already has Nintendo in their house in some way, shape, or form and wants to kind of, like, get the next step up or whatever. Um, they might not... They might like this because it's it's cheap and, you know, if the, if the kid wants the newest game, cool, he already has it, and it cost me, like, a sixth of the price, basically, and, sure. you know, maybe the kid will, will also, like, if the kid really likes it, then, then they'll buy it even cheaper than, than they would originally, um, or if the kid doesn't like it, no sweat off your brow, because it just kind of goes away, so, like, I think for, for, like, families, and, like, kids, plus people who are already on Xbox, I think this is perfect for, but in terms of swaying people off of, uh, uh Nintendo or Sony, or, possibly even newer people who are for some reason getting involved in in like high school or college i don't think this will do much to sway people i think i oh go ahead 
uh, I think uh, having it be like a monthly thing, like when new games are coming out on it, it's great because like something like PS Plus, right? Um, I primarily forget I have a PlayStation if if too much time goes on, you know. And then every month I have to check in for those games. I download it, and then all of a sudden I'm playing PlayStation again, you know. For me to like uh, stay on a console is very hard because I have just so much time on the PC. So something like that where you're rotating games out or maybe you're adding new ones or you know whatever and it's something that i have to like turn around go to that console use it for a little bit you know it might make me want to play it more like i know for playstation example like every like when i got the newest batch of uh, uh playstation plus games this month it's when i started prey um i probably wouldn't have started it i had it for like a week before that i probably wouldn't have started it had it not been for that you know so as far as exclusives go like uh yeah if if you're this far into the game um uh, it's hard. It's hard for me to say like, yeah, I want to pick up an Xbox because I have really no reason to when I've got everything else either on PC or the Switch or the PS4. But this is this is crazy. Like, I can just pick up a an Xbox now, have the Game Pass, and that's it. Like, that's all I need. I don't need to have a library because I can make my own. Um, yep. So, for like someone who's already got a bunch of stuff like me, I think this is great. You know, like so, I never thought about getting an Xbox until now. You know. This is really the only time, and yeah, they've built up a lot of goodwill, and I really appreciate that, but this is the real, this is the deal that I'm like, yeah, this is maybe the time that I would actually get the Xbox, you know? I've thought of it before, but, you know, I got the Switch instead, so, um, but now I kind of want an Xbox, you know? That's, I, I never really thought I'd want one. No, and I, I completely agree with that sentiment, man, because I, I think, I, I think this speaks to... Um, to Ed's point, I don't. I don't think that this is necessarily a, a thing that's going to sway you away from PlayStation or Sony. But I think this is this news coupled with the X and the rise of 4K. I think this does look at like if you're someone who's been like, ah, you know, maybe I'll get an Xbox. Yeah. Now, or if you're you looking for get... like a second console, you got to switch that's to the PS4. I mean, right? Yeah, like, you're like, oh, I need something else. Well, this is a great service now, you know. That and also that the Xbox One X is the most powerful console on the market now. Yeah, they so have. Like if you are someone who who cares about HDR and 4K and high quality graphics and higher fidelities, like Xbox One X is a better platform for that. What and, I yeah, what I see in this is like the shotgun of marketing that they have. Right, they've got a little bit of very like highest fidelity console. We do good stuff with 4K. Like the kids can you know, like can now buy the passes without credit cards. You know everything we've been mentioning is just like there are so many bullet points, and and maybe you don't care about ten of them, but there's there's an eleventh one you might care about. You know what I mean? There, this got to hit some kind of market, and they have hit so many points at once that I can't see this failing in any way. And not not to mention the fact that uh, I think I think there's also the added benefit that if you like most people had an Xbox 360 in the previous generation, when you buy your Xbox One, you have a, you have a library now because of backwards compatibility. You don't have yeah, your whole yes. library all, now, unfortunately. Yeah. But you a do. Lot of it. Oh, yeah. But having backwards compatibility is a selling point. You know, like right. huge, like it's it's gone to the wayside. You know, PS3 had it originally, and then there was like, <laughs> so now having well, it's like a big deal. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's not a thing for you know for the PS4, the Switch, and it is a, it is a way that Xbox stands out in that like you know if I bought an Xbox today, I could get Games Pass and install about thirty games. And I would have a huge library of content day one without spending any more than the price of admission for the console and then 10 bucks for Games Pass. You know, and like that's significant. I think that is the kind of thing that could push somebody over, especially if they're not a PC gamer, which a lot of people aren't. 
Yeah, jumping into a new console, you know, you always dread, you know, like, hey, the thing might be on sale, but you always dread all those ancillary devices and getting all the other crap, and your your the price to buy something new, you know, racks up ins insanely fast. Especially if you pick up like say three new games with a new console, you know, that's like 180 bucks right there. But this just negates so many problems with price alone. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty much just like you have a like we were saying with like you know like a Steam box or something like a streaming kind of thing. Like, yeah, you could just buy an Xbox and have this pass, and that's all you could use it for, and it's fine now. You know, it actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, and I think if you're somebody who doesn't care about Sony's exclusives, if those games don't speak to you, if you're, like, a, a, a dude uh, or, you know, um, I didn't mean to make that gendered. If you're a player <laughs> who prefers... A gamer, um, Pete? Yeah, like, if, if you're a gamer who, like, most of your gaming is, you know, you play a couple third-party games a year, like, you play the big Call of Duty, you play Battlefield, you play Madden, maybe you pick up Assassin's Creed or something like that, like... Maybe those games don't speak to you, and maybe this is the thing that pushes you over. Of it is the most powerful console. I can get these games for ten bucks a month. Like, and then maybe you will jump in and kick the tires on something like Sea of Thieves that you wouldn't have played otherwise, but it's free. So, like, why the fuck not? Right. Yeah, you might as well. That's like that's that's, that's like the PS Plus effect I'm talking about. You know, like yeah. there are so many games I would have never touched or I thought about, and almost everything that I've like had on my wish list on Steam, I'm telling you, like at least nine out of ten games eventually hit PS Plus. Uh, it's it's amazing how many games I'm like oh I really like to get this and I wait like uh, six months and like it shows up for free on the PlayStation. It's like, yeah. Well, okay. Great. You know. And then you you sold me. I didn't have to buy it. <laughs> and I think that'll matter for some of those games. Bottom lines, like yeah. Like well, it Thieves, does. Yeah. Like look at look at what what being a PS Plus game day one did for Rocket League. Yeah. I think thinking a similar thing could happen with Sea of Thieves isn't outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, especially, you know, they've, they've been marketing that a lot, and it looks more and more attractive. Um, the, mo the more that they show us, and I think they've done it in, in not an overbearing kind of way, it's been very tasteful. Like, they, they show gameplay and stuff again, but, like, it always seems like something news added or something else, some kind of layer to it we didn't notice before. Uh, it seems more and more complex the more we see about it, which I'm really digging, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm a person who already has an Xbox, and I already have Game Pass. It's a great great subscription service i love it i will verify this week when halo wars 2 hits the uh the game pass oh nice man. to make sure if play anywhere works on pc as well i yeah, wanted I to like play to that, that so badly too let me know if it's any good <laughs> yeah let me know definitely I'm i love the first one i'm like the only like what well, i guess you like maybe the first one? i, I first one was great <laughs> oh my god first <laughs> Finally, one was so someone good. liked it besides me <laughs> no, I mean I loved I when I was in college I played a lot of Age of Empires 2. It was one of my favorite games. Oh my games. god, yes. But then yes. I and then I was like, "Oh, Halo Wars, that looks like an interesting like game to play." And I I kind of had to get used to playing it on all consoles and it just became yeah, a lot absolutely. of fun. Yeah, it, it, really it fun. blended itself very well, you know. I thought it was going to be clunky at first and it was just a tight game. I loved it. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm an avid RTS man and that was a great game, I think. Yeah. yeah, Andy, you got you got to figure that out first because yeah. if not, I think I think we all need to buy Xboxes before uh, before see these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get on that shit, homie. Get that X, play Xbox Sea of Thieves in giant Xbox 4K. X. I'll just get a new credit card and put a 4K TV and an Xbox One X on it. Do it. <laughs> You're set for life. Yeah, Good in Lord. debt. I mean, that's the American way. Good luck. Yes. Exactly. Rack up massive exactly. debt. <laughs> Yeah, for expensive toys. Uh, At least it's not yeah. super <laughs> close this time. Hey. Yeah. That's a good point. You're doing it like an adult now. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm flipping through this like Game Pass catalog right now. It's really good. It's like really good. So many things that I've been thinking about playing are on it. 
and I'm excited. Nice. Like very cool. Like yeah, I think this is a really huge move for them. Yes. Um, like State of Decay two, I was kind of interested in. Yep. And well, the first one was amazing, and this one looks way better. So for ten dollars, I'm definitely down to jump in and you know fuck around. With yep. It. And like especially because that ten dollars that you're like spending for the month subscription, for like if you're really into fucking Sea of Thieves, let's say. If you're really into it, the $10 you spent on the subscription saves you $12 on buying the game. So, like, uh, you get 20% off any game on Games Pass if you want to just, like, purchase it. So you get more money back than you've spent to try this game out if you like it. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. If you like it and decide you want to support it, you can throw the money down and you're still saving that money. Yep. Like... Uh, Oh, no, go ahead. We got some Dead Island. We got some Halo Wars. We got a fuck ton of Resident Evils. We got mm. the nice. first State of Decay, the second State of Decay when it hits, Metro Last Light. Oh, those are fun games. Yeah. The Metro games are real fun. Some Dead Risings. I'm I'm hype. Yeah, it seems like there's a, honestly like a pretty good library there already. And, uh, you know, and the, the thing that's exciting is the more people that buy into the service, the higher quality stuff they'll be able to offer yep you know we'll have a higher caliber of games and uh it's interesting because if you do a little bit of napkin math right like you know you just think about it this way there are uh roughly like 30 million xbox ones in the wild right give or take yeah and if if you say that 10 percent of those people right uh so 3 million people go and get xbox game pass and they set it and they forget it and they're not doing a six-month thing they're just doing the 10 months month a month and they don't think about it right that's 120 a year times 3 million starts to add up 360 million a year profit right just from this subscription service this passive income and that doesn't even assume that some level of those people go on to buy the games that they are getting right at the discount or a game gets taken off and they spend that money so it's an interesting prospect. It's a really interesting prospect. If enough people buy into it, it will work out for everyone. Right. It's uh, Microsoft's very own communism game service. I like it. <laughs> if you buy into it, it will work as long as you all buy into it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think before we head out, um, you know, if anybody has any other thoughts on this, please share them. But I, I want to now, I guess, posit, do you think we'll see competitors to this? Do you think that uh, Sony or Nintendo or maybe somebody else will try and throw their hat in the ring? Nintendo won't because they never have been known to really compete with anybody. Yeah, they just, just kind of do their own thing and yep. just let it it's be. Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, they, Nintendo's just Nintendo. Sony, though, is interesting because they have their PlayStation Now subscription, which I think is like 10 or 15 bucks a month, but their service is streaming. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of figure that. And not good. And, oh, yeah, oh, and not good I tried to play. I forget what game yeah, I was work. trying to play, and it was just awful. It yeah, was we, so we, we tried bad. Resistance that one time. Yeah, we, we, we were trying to do Let's Plays off of it, and it was just like it, we Abysmal. couldn't get a, a decent connection. You know? Yeah. Even Hardwired, you couldn't even get a decent connection? I couldn't Hardwire it because where my PlayStation is. Oh. You know? Like, I, I have a three-story house, and you know, you're supposed to put it on the lowest level of your house for the sharpest connection. Yeah. And I'm, I'm on Wi-Fi. Uh, that's just bad. Like, I think that's the issue. Like, PlayStation Now, I think they have the right idea, 
but I think it's just that they just aren't sinking any time into it. The execution so, was poor. Well, exactly. You can't have games with latency. Like, that's not yep. a thing you can do. Like, And I think they're too content with the way their PlayStation Now is right like the way their PlayStation Now service is like hey you get all these discounts every month and we give you all these free games oh, yeah, we the give P- you six PS or Plus seven benefits? a month yeah 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 so I yeah. think they're just content with PS Plus benefits that they're probably not going to sink any money into a competitor yeah so they also Xbox don't they don't stay. need to like they're winning you know it's like they like Xbox needs to make the big plays and the big pro consumer moves like Sony is like they're leagues ahead of them they're still selling like crazy and they've got a really hot year of games ahead of them that like they don't need a reason for people to want to buy a playstation for it already exists yeah you, you made a good point though like i think playstation or sony rather is known for resting on its laurels a little bit too much sometimes you know once they have a good thing oh yeah they, oh yeah and, and with ps That's, plus in particular it's very I forgiving think- this when they're on top, they get lazy. Yeah, yeah, this generation, they're resting on their laurels. Like, last generation, they had to come from behind to kind of yeah. get people to say, oh, wait, Sony's actually not a, a shit show yeah. when the PlayStation 3 first launched. It's actually not a bad platform to get into. Because right. Xbox 360 was not so freaking dominant. But For now, a long the, time. Now this generation is the opposite, and I think now you're kind of seeing, so like, Xbox kept pushing ahead while Sony had to catch up. Now mm-hmm. it's the opposite, where Xbox is like, okay, we're going to entice more players, and Sony's just like, eh, go ahead. Yeah, they don't, they're not paying enough attention, I, I think, you know. But again, it, it's because they really don't need to. Like, I, I don't but, think that they yeah. should rest on their laurels, but, like, they have more than twice as many units on the market as Xbox. Like, they have a, a significant catalog of exclusive games that are some of the best games of yeah, the years they came out. Like. I, and not disagreeing, but in their in their you know absence, like the switch has risen to power, and Microsoft is becoming you know like a force again. And so yeah, the, but the even forces the switch, are man, there's sixty million units behind them. You know, I'm it's just like... saying if they do it for too long, like they're used to doing, if they don't take action soon, that could spell disaster again, and we could see like you know the same thing that happened with the PS3. You know, I don't I don't think we'll see that this generation. Not like it could happen. No, no, not next right now. That's that's what I'm worried yeah. about. I'd like to see them take action before that kind of stuff happens again. You know, because they like, won't. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, they're known to not do that kind of stuff. You yeah. know, I mean, again, it's because they they just really don't have to. It's the same reason that we don't see cross uh, platform on on you know, like, which is literally Xbox a switch like, away. You know, like everyone's like, oh, like there are so many developers, like we could hit a switch and it would work and whatever. But PlayStation's like, nah, like we don't need you. Like we yeah. we've got we've got a big enough thing. Like we don't we don't have half as many units on the market, so our you know, servers are full of people. We don't need to have cross-server with you. We don't need to promote our competition because fuck you. you know, like, <laughs> oh, I, I like, get it, yeah. In that situation, I think they're right. But in this one, I got to say, like, I think if they made a move like this, I think it would be way more successful than Game Pass. Oh, be a absolutely. more attractive service. But yeah, I don't know, know if they're like, ever going to act on something like that because they are ahead. And... Yeah. And I think it's not outside the realm of possibility for them to see the money that this makes and us to see playstation now pivot a little bit to be something more similar to this but i don't know that we will maybe they could try to combine like the ps now service and the ps plus service or something like that or maybe a, like an overall subscription instead of two separate ones you know uh, i don't know maybe make ps now work that, that'd be fun <laughs> you know so you could do any number of things really to start fighting against this kind of stuff and and you know also get some goodwill with consumers for like the yeah. next generation you know so um, I did want to just raise a point, not because I think it's actually going to happen, but I, I, I don't want to count Nintendo out of this race, actually, because I think Nintendo always does their own thing. But when we've, what we've heard about what Nintendo's plans are for online, 
where they're going to be giving you uh, the retro games for free that you can download and have as kind of like a PS Plus build a library of retro stuff every month kind of deal. I don't know that something like this doesn't make sense for them. Like, I don't necessarily think that they're going to be, like, chasing Microsoft uh, exactly and, like, giving us the day one games or anything like that. I don't know that the next, you know, Mario Odyssey or whatever is going to come out on a service like this. But I could see them doing a, su a successor to the virtual console that's like this of, hey – 10 bucks a month, you get unlimited access to our entire back catalog of retro games. We add 10 new ones every month. Um, I, I don't know that that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It definitely if anyone could do realm. it, they have the library. They have more exclusive IP than fucking anybody. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Uh, so I don't know. I'd I, like I to don't, see that. <laughs> I, will, I won't count Nintendo out on this one. Do I think they'll do it? No. Would I be surprised if they did it? No. Because I, I think it's a good move. I, I think, like, asking 10 bucks a month for access to the entire library of the NES or the Super Nintendo or, or what have you is, that's a great fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely is. Even if they rotated games out and incentivized you to buy them at some point. I feel like that's totally, uh, I, I feel like that would really be a big success for them. So I, I hope that they consider it. I do. Uh, so any any closing thoughts on this one before we wrap this one up? Um, I just wanted to say confirmation through a tweet from Xbox Marketing Manager, head of Xbox Games Marketing Manager at Microsoft. Yes, if the title is Xbox Play Anywhere, you can play the PC version too if you are a Game Pass member. <clears throat> there you go. It's for the yeah. So, yeah. Nice. There okay. you go. There you go. Yeah, specifically for the Xbox stuff. It'll yes. keep you out of the third parties. It'll keep you out of the third parties, except Resident Evil 7 if it shows up. That's a Play Anywhere title. Okay. So that's something, man. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but uh, I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm interested to see what Microsoft uh, does at E3 this year as well, because I'm wondering if they're going to announce a slew of new Play Anywhere games that will benefit from the service you know, mm -hmm. yeah. as, as a way to try and get your foot in the door. Um, so jury's out on this one, uh, on where it's ultimately going to go, but I, I feel pretty positive about it. I think I think this could be a really important step forward for the industry. Yeah, overall, it's a positive note for everyone. I mean, let's just hope it works out. Mm. Yep. All right, so I think that's going to wrap up the conversation here on episode 40 of the Video Game Pals. Remember, if you guys want to write in, have your thoughts right on the air, let us know what you're thinking about any of the stuff we talked about this week. Uh, or in previous weeks, you can hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com and hear your thoughts right on the air. You can also uh, you know, give us a random question, tell us what you're playing, any of that fun stuff. Uh, follow us at the Comics Pals on, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, we're on Facebook, all that stuff. Keep up to date with all the stuff we've got going on here. You can reach out to us on those places as well or in the comments down below if you're on YouTube or uh, SoundCloud. And, um, yeah, just connect with us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're thinking about the show, what, what stories you want to hear us talk about during the week, any of that stuff. Uh, we love hearing from you. And uh, before we bounce out of here, we're going to do some plugs. Ed, since you're our guest, why don't you just let the listeners know where they can find you online uh, and where they can, you know, again, connect with the Party Nerds. Absolutely. Uh, check out the Party Nerds on Instagram at the Party Nerds. We also are on Twitch at just Party Nerds. Uh, without and that's the nerds just. with a Z. It's, it's with a Z. Yes, don't forget the Z part because nice. if you put it with an S, I don't know what the hell's going to come up. It could take you to some weird website, and I'm not responsible <laughs> for that. It's um, not like he's tried. Yeah. <laughs> we are on uh, Wildfire Radio every Tuesday at 6.45 p.m. live. 
and our recordings also go on iTunes the next day. Awesome. And then what about you? Like Twitter and Instagram? And um, personally, um, I don't post too often, but on Twitter, Instagram, uh, you can f- personally find me at Eddie Road Dog, Eddie, and then Road Dog, Dog with two G's. Cool. Peggy. Hey, if you want to talk about uh, esports and all that jazz to me, especially about the Cloud Nine versus Phase uh, E League Boston Major that's going on right now for CS:GO, go C9. Uh, you can tweet me. I understood some of those words. Yeah, yeah me too. It's I'm like to learn the more. second. I mentioned this when we were breaking, but it is the second time in a CS:GO Major where a North American team is in the Grand Finals. North American being uh, Cloud Nine, so like. Go team. But yeah. Uh, NA, baby! <laughs> NA, lol. But yeah, uh, if you want to talk about that or the Overwatch League or or really any eSport, really, um, you can get at me, at Moriaiow. That's M-O-I-R-A-I-O-W. She's not in pain. We asked. Yeah, no, no. It means Overwatch. Oh, yeah, and I also write for, for Winston's Lab as well. So if you want to do that, by all means, go for it. Cool. Uh, Thompson? You can uh, send some tweets to me at Real Life Vampire, and I really don't have a lot to talk about because you know I don't really do the writing, and uh, I don't have any other things. So <laughs> talk to me about this and other shows. I don't know. I, I like want. Gundam. I like anime. I like a lot of games. You, yeah, but nobody wants to talk about that stuff. <laughs> Everyone wants to talk about that stuff. This is exactly whatever, nerd, <laughs> Andy. <laughs> Uh, you can check me out at Tiger underscore millions on Twitter. I honestly mostly tweet about politics and surrealism. So if you're into either of those things, a, um, you can find me on Xbox. If you want to be friends on Xbox at Skaxophone, S-K-A-X-O-P-H-O-N-E. Um, or on Steam, I guess, if you want to be friends, but yeah. Hit me up. Be sure to write an essay about why you deserve Owlboy more than Thompson. Oh, right. I forgot about that. (laughs) How could you forget? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you don't write in, it's mine, so (laughs) stop me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if nobody writes in, it goes to Thompson, and nobody wants that. Yeah, the only thing that stops evil is good, so do it. All right, and if you want to catch me, I'm at loud underscore Pete uh, on all social media platforms and every gaming platform that isn't the PlayStation Network. So if you want to hook up with me there, you can uh, get me at uh, ADJ Lad, L A D. Please, Shuhei, let us change our names. Um, I still have Rogue Vampire on PlayStation 4. That's your fault. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry I didn't come up with my tag fucking like 13 years ago when I got on the PlayStation Network. Um, so you can also get my writing over at CBR. I've got an article this week about weird celebrity complaints about superhero movies. That one was a ton of fun to, uh, work on. Uh, there's such classics as, you know, the, the fucking creative mind behind Die Hard complaining that Captain America was, uh, toxically masculine. So you can go Uh. check out that for that and more ironic, uh, more ironic celebrity comments. Um, please do so. It helps me pay the rent. You can also catch me on pretty much every other Pals Network show. I'm on the Comics Pals on Mondays with Sean. Uh, the Riverdale Review is back with uh, Kale and Marco, where we talk about Riverdale every week. And then you can catch me and Thompson on Pals Play, which is currently on hiatus while we kind of retool the show's format. But uh, we've got a great backlog of episodes about Dishonored, Life is Strange, Shovel Knight, uh, Mario Odyssey, Doki Doki Literature Club. Go check that stuff out. And uh, let us know what games you'd like us to see, 
like to see us play when we come back and uh, all that fun stuff. And with that, that is going to be uh, the show here on episode 40 of the Video Game Pals. Thank you so much for joining us. We will catch you next week. Adios. Bye. Peace.